Hey everyone, Colby here, and uh, welcome to a very special episode of the Seller Dollars Podcast. I uh, just wanted to do a quick introduction because our conversation got going uh, as soon as we hopped on Zoom, and we didn't really do a, a proper intro. Uh, it was a really refreshing and extensive conversation with our new friend, Ian Deaton. Ian's a man of many talents, whether it's scoring film, a little bit of cinematography, writing, acting, and a lot of movie watching. He also works at Videodrome here in Atlanta, which if you've been listening to us for a while, you also know that we love Videodrome so much. It's a a local video rental shop that has a better film selection than any streaming service you could ever think of. I'm so sorry, Tubi. Please don't hold that against us. Plus, everyone that works there knows their shit. They can give you the absolute best movie recommendations, and I speak from many years of experience. We were so excited to meet Ian, even if it was virtually, and uh, it's a long discussion that touches on a lot of different topics, and I thought it was important to not cut out too much of it because Ian is a really smart guy and really just an encyclopedia of film knowledge, and I wanted you guys to know that too. In preparation for this episode, he recommended that we watch two films by the fairly controversial Italian director, Lucio Fulci. Those films were Contraband and Lizard in a Woman's Skin. Without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with Mr. Ian Deaton. I don't know if I, I told you guys or it doesn't matter, but I'm, I, you know, amongst many other things that I do to make money because I'm broke as shit, uh, probably will be for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> yep. um, uh, I, I score like low budget movies just from friends yeah. that I've met over the years, like doing production stuff, you know, everything from like the, the lowliest PA, uh, you know, getting people snacks all the way up to like camera assistant stuff where I shouldn't have technically been pulling focus <laughs> on a union movie, but someone was sick and I'm like, okay, I can do it. <laughs> like, um, but you know, doing all that kind of stuff. But uh, anyways, I lucked into some situations where um, some people that I had worked on, worked on shoots with that were now shooting their own stuff were like, Hey, we don't have any money. Do you want to score um, our movie. Um, and so anyways, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, um, my co-composer, um, his name's Thomas Barnwell, really brilliant, uh, person, love him very much. And, uh, anyways, um, (laughs) he is extremely technically minded and I would not be able to do anything, uh, involving computers if it were not for him uh and uh and specifically with the the zoom stuff we had to figure out how to compose remotely oh which that was like he's actually thinking about stuff maybe to do some youtube videos because we had to string together a bunch of openware Mm -hmm. like uh open source like freeware or whatever you want to call it to make it real because we're like there's no fucking way that like this is the first time this has ever happened yeah like, you yeah. guys are the first yeah yeah and the whole thing obviously is like you know you're you're scoring along to the movie but you want to make sure especially like in the case of me where i'm playing along with him on a different um you know midi setup like miles away that i need to be there not, there cannot be any lag and i mean obviously we can go back you know and, and edit stuff or whatever but it's a huge pain in the ass so basically thanks to him being a fucking 
you know, he's just got that kind of brain. Whenever something breaks, he immediately uh, knows what to do. And I go, yeah, well, <laughs> oh, <God."> yeah. like, <laughs> I don't that's know. me um, as well. It's like yeah. actual stuff that I can put my hands on. That's no problem. Like I can fuck around mm. dials all day in the real world. But once it gets into like getting into software and digging through shit, I, I don't, I just freeze yeah. up and I get really scared. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly that. what happens. I can try to put bows on it and make it sound cooler than, you know, but the, the reality is I just get paralyzed by fear. And I'm like, I don't know. There's a bunch of numbers and <laughs> things and it's going like this. And <laughs> so anyways, that was a long story for a point that probably I was trying to make about five minutes ago, but uh, nope, it's great. I also <laughs> want to throw this out there. You went ahead and blah, blah, blah. You're, I compose oh yeah you films did. and like well, we'll get back to that that's very yeah. cool <laughs> i mean it's you know something that i'm i'm thankful and lucky enough to have fallen into and if anybody is listening to this besides us three uh just do it don't worry about if it's gonna if you're don't <laughs> just get some shit and start writing music and start meeting filmmakers. And if that's literally your friend with a cell phone, that's like, Hey, we're going to go shoot this YouTube video, but I need some music. Just start there. It doesn't matter. Like that's, Hell yeah. and, and I've, you know, have seen, albeit it's, it's been a very slow ascent, which I have no problem with. I'm, I'm lucky to, um, you know, be alive on this earth period right now. So um, <clears throat> I'm thankful for any kind of opportunity I get creatively, but, uh, but, yeah, it's like, and also the the amount of privileges that I have based on how I look and who I am and, you know, how I grew up, they're not lost on me. I'm totally aware that I, uh, you know, uh, am, y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying. Um, of course. Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I'm aware that I, that I, uh, yeah, um, sorry, I'm getting kind of losing my train of thought. What I'm trying to say is like, um, yeah, even from the beginning of when I was just dreaming you know, like being like, God, I wish one day I could, you know, make John Carpenter music. Like it's never going to happen. I don't even know how to use a synthesizer up to like now where, you know, I've scored some movies and some TV shows and stuff like that and some commercials and shit. And it's like, but I never even thought I was going to get a chance to do one thing. So point I'm mm -hmm. trying to make is that like, yeah, for if, if y'all are interested or if anybody, you know, it's like, or anybody watching this, um, just do it and don't worry about it. And if you want to, you know, compose a, a film score for a movie that doesn't exist yet, just go ahead and do that. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't wait for the filmmaker. Hell like, yeah. Write it and put it out on tape or put it on YouTube or whatever. Like it doesn't fucking matter. So anyway, yeah. that's a beautiful way to that, jump we'll, into this. We'll make that just the intro of the whole episode. Okay. It's fucking gold. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Yeah, um, I just, yeah, so go ahead. <laughs> no, no that's awesome. No, I, I this is already so exciting. Like, yeah, like the fact that we're virtually meeting, kind of, yeah, like figuring each other out, picking each other's brains a little bit. Like, that's so fun. Yeah, and yeah. like outside of the podcast, we are creative in our own rights. Yeah, I'm a musician. Uh, hmm. I've got an album out that I did over quarantine. Nice. Uh, Colby is a writer. He's got a novella coming out. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Writers and musicians. So, okay, great. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're all kind of on similar common ground. I exactly. also have been 
uh, gruelingly trying to teach myself to screenwrite for the past 10 years. Oh, nice. Just throwing things in the garbage, waking <laughs> up sweating in the middle of the night, being like, all right, fine, I'll pick you up and start <laughs> writing again. God damn it, I don't want to yep. do this. Like, Or also, you know, realizing it's a, a thing that's been, <laughs> that I've held on to, especially during this insane, boring sci-fi movie that we've all been living through 2019 <laughs> onwards. God um, damn. Uh, it, uh, is uh, this um, Onion article headline. It was like this guy that looks like me and he looks really bored and over everything. And it says like 35-year-old man decides to go ahead and throw in the towel and continue pursuing his stupid ass fucking dream. <laughs> and I was like, that's yeah. it. Okay. I don't have any skills that are marketable whatsoever. God, I know how to make seriously. bleep bloops with synthesizers and guitar and record bad punk albums in my basement and yep. make bad music videos to my friends i might as well that's all i got that's all i got going <laughs> yeah so. and uh we've got the podcast i've got i'm 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 about to be 30 and i and just now decided to start a grindcore band that's awesome hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm 40 so hell yeah so yeah awesome. hell yeah yeah i i mean it's it's you know and and that's another thing too that I mean, I'm constantly having to tell myself, and I, I know all creative people, it's like, it's really fucking daunting. No matter what time period you're in, there's always this swirl of shit that's constantly around all of us. And we'll just say uh, media-wise, whatever. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. It's from the beginning of media until now. I'm not going to try to go through different time <laughs> periods and pick through internet versus, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Oh, God. But right. it's like, there's always a swirl of shit going on. And usually as time passes on a lot of the good stuff sticks around some really amazing stuff gets forgotten unfortunately and luckily there are big dorks that rediscover it and i guess that's part of why we're having this podcast right now going to talk it about is. uh the <sighs> fulci i i could <laughs> i have a lot to say about lucio fulci hell yeah um, that's cool. most of it's so that's not perfect. good <laughs> yeah. oh good most of it's good, not good, good. good i'll just go ahead and I'm say very it. curious huge piece of shit i'm really glad he's dead <laughs> i've um, picked up on this <laughs> yeah like oh, almost like to a like a fucking 12 year old boy like he, he if you i mean you know brilliant filmmaker like no doubt mm. about that really really incredible writer like but he was an open misogynist like almost to a point where it was like a political affiliation for him in that way not not something Ugh. where you know an interview unfortunately found out in the process that he was a piece of shit it was like he would openly oh. say misogynist stuff and be like this is what i believe you know i'm sorry i shouldn't do a insulting italian uh stereotype in the yeah <laughs> but uh Listen, oh, okay sorry. my friend christian here loves a good i kind of do it all the time <laughs> oh okay i mean it's hard not yeah. to now it's funny yeah um but especially when you see interviews with me it kind of does talk like that so <laughs> a little bit <laughs> um it's no, true but, yeah it's true um but um i'm one percent italian so i can say that no. hey 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 no um no but i was gonna say uh um yeah he the thing that i think and what has brought me back to his work like over and over again um and i mean this is just one of many uh filmmakers that i'm completely obsessed with but um one of the things that i i like especially about people that are extremely problematic as human beings um is that when they're dead it's great because then it doesn't fucking matter what their purpose was behind yeah. the, the, the the art and it's really fascinating to me um <clears throat> when kind of 
using sort of the auteur model, which as I get older, I find more and more trouble with, especially doing production, you know, where you're working. And it doesn't matter if you're on an indie movie or a fucking Zaxby's chicken commercial. Like there are sometimes hundreds of people working on the same thing. And all of them oh, yeah. have creative input. Every single fucking person. And even if that's like, no, we need Coke Zero instead of Coke. Like that might have literally changed, you know, the 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 entire production because of some small and i've been in situations where I, I will not name any names but like working on a tv movie one time where i saw bad writing directly costing us work hours in tons of money where i'm listening uh, to this director like five, at, on this particular shoot i was a um a, a camera pa so a non-union uh camera assistant um, and mostly I was just like getting them drinks and they'd be like, oh, we need this lens. Go back to the lockup and grab it, please. We forgot it. Or, you know, uh, holding the cables while they're going over the dolly tracks so they don't fucking run over the cable. One time they did pinch it and I got in big trouble because it was expensive and they couldn't see the picture anymore. And anyways, I'm sure that's all. It's weird, too, because at that this wasn't even that long ago um, and they had already had Wi-Fi connection or not Wi-Fi, I'm sorry, uh, Bluetooth connections, but they were still using hardware mm. because it's solid and doesn't fuck up on set. Um, and so there's literally people that have to hold cables while the dolly grips are pushing them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I'm standing very close to this filmmaker and this actress talking and they were understandably, she was really confused about the scene that uh, we were getting ready to shoot. And and the director was overworked, super nice guy. Um, and he was tired. He was like sleeping four hours a night and like just, you know, kind of lost in it, but trying really hard to listen to this actress talk and tell her, her you know, concerns and issues and most importantly for the character. And uh, it was so poorly written that they were both just like, what do we, I don't know what, oh. I don't know what to do. And I wanted to, for two seconds like I was like looking through the script and it wasn't my place at all to say anything and I didn't say anything because I probably would have got fired but like at the same time it was like I'm going to keep this as a mental note for later when I'm writing stuff with my friends to remember that bad writing and I'm not talking about like intentionally bad writing like but I'm talking about like confusing writing where the yep. <laughs> like where it doesn't it it, it it it's not it can't it what am I trying to say it won't always ruin a movie. And especially we both or all three of us have seen stuff, movies where they're horribly written and still gold comes oh, yeah. out somehow. But um, some of my favorites. Yes, absolutely. Like I've been on a big Godfrey Ho kick lately and his movies look like someone took 80 exploitation tropes and just threw them in the blender and then barfed <laughs> them out on the screen. It doesn't, we can go into that later, but please. Hell yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess in, to summarize this giant point that I'm getting to is that uh, I, I, I appreciate, um, I have kind of let go of the sort of auteur. My, it's a good way to look at things when you're a cinephile, but mm. um, it's also not correct because again, yeah, being on, even in this particular situation, let's say this show became really popular and for whatever reason, I'm sorry, I forgot your names already but <laughs> it's a okay i'm what? christian this is colby christian and colby. We're the okay, okay. okay 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 <laughs> wonderful so let's say that for whatever dumb reason one of you guys got kind of your name was more part of the brand and then everybody would automatically assume you know oh christian is the 
you know, he's the creative auteur behind the show and, or Colby is, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that would be a disservice to not only mm. the guests that are on the show, but also to the, your, your co-creator. Yep. And it's, so anyways, it, it, it's an interesting, it's a cool lens to look at the auteur thing and, and it, it, it can help you as a cinephile, but, but also anyways, uh, with somebody like Lucio Fulci, it does a huge, somebody who's a giant piece of shit and <laughs> had so many super talented people working with him. Mm incredible actors uh fabio frizzi like one of the fucking greatest film composers of all time also underrecognized i love him so much oh my god um and uh yeah sergio salvati like the his cinematographer mm, fucking so yeah. good like so many movies they did and anyways all these incredible people that worked with them um florinda balkan the actress like ugh, she's so amazing uh anyways these people that put in the time and effort to try to either actively subvert his bullshit or, <laughs> you know, um, or add to it either way. And <clears throat> with the movie uh, specifically uh, lizard in a woman's skin, um, mm -hmm. the, one of the films that I, I was wanted to talk about tonight. Um, I think that is a, a perfect kind of like index into that exact idea of like, you know, I think Fulci should be remembered as a filmmaker, especially because he, you know, died in poverty of like hepatitis. So pretty fucking yeah. sad. Um, and he was brilliant, but also at the same time, it's like, it's, it's, uh, I, I think that movie's really, uh, <laughs> I've talked to people at a, a video drama about it, how it's like, I, I think the angle that he was coming at it, it's one of those like kind of cyclical things where like, you know, those like weird libertarian dudes that you'll meet where they accidentally <laughs> say things that yes. are so right wing that they become left wing. And you're like, yes, you, OK, like, I don't agree with you, That's but you might where you're along. going. Yeah. It's a great way to describe a lizard in a woman's yeah, skin. Yeah, it's like yeah, so misogynist and so homophobic that it accidentally becomes this yeah. very transgressive, progressive, like, um, and again, you know, I'm a, like, uh, a, a white guy, so I'm totally cool with anybody openly arguing doing and maybe even emailing me be like you're fucking wrong that's fine i'm i love yeah us too we, like we deal with stuff like this uh thankfully we don't get a lot of pushback but yeah we recognize that we are uh white straight men who uh, yeah. uh we like to say we're experts on a lot of things <laughs> yeah 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 it just it's unfortunately you know uh you know you grow up as a as a as a I'm not straight, but I'm a straight perceived person mm -hmm. uh, in this world. And uh, um, what was I going to say? Uh, anyways, whatever. I come off as your tip. I got a hat on and a fucking beard, a typical boring straight white guy. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. Well, we grew up in this country and we're fucking everybody around us is like, no, here, take the gold. Everybody go ahead. It's it's for you. Don't tell anybody. And exactly what you said earlier, like we like to think we're experts on a lot of things, a lot yeah. of, well, <laughs> hold on one second. Um, <laughs> Actually, <laughs> um, but let uh, me tell you about yeah. misogyny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I would, I welcome any kind of uh, open. I mean, I mean, I think that's the main thing that's most important about, you know, any kind of healthy uh, debate or dialogue specifically about art. We won't go anywhere mm. else tonight. Let's just keep it simple. 
Just yeah. keep it in cinema uh, and art. <laughs> um, the most, I think, like controversial thing that we've got, because we got like one piece of pushback. Are you familiar with the comic series Crossed? No, no, I don't know anything about Who that. is it by? <clears throat> by Garth Ennis. Um, oh, okay. I know that name. Like, I'm. He, he did the boys ahead. and. He did Preacher. Um, he did the boys. Oh, okay. Okay. He's definitely yeah. kind of a more like edge lordy. Yeah, yeah. Kind of absolutely. Writer. Yeah. Not, a, not necessarily a bad writer, but yeah. Crossed is like, like legendarily bad. Oh, yeah. Okay. As in, like, like Cross is every disturbing. Line. And I've been a. I'm, I'm a big comic book reader. I love comics. Yeah. So I was able to kind of bring Crossed into the fold because I was yeah. curious about wanting to read it. And, yeah. and so, it was the first episode that we did that got uh, some pushback yep. of people being uh, questioning the why shine a light on something like yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a and that's that's another thing that's important to keep in mind is like, you know, all three of us might have our own uh, personal um, ideas about why we want to shine a light on that. And they, nobody knows what those are, you know, unless we're very forthcoming about why, but, but, you know, as we all know, we've all been in situations where, you know, for example, okay, I'm nothing against tool fans, but like, I like a couple tool records, but I don't ever <laughs> want to talk to anyone about the band tool. Ever. I'm in the exact same boat. Like I like some of their music. Some of their great musicians. I've seen them live before. It's great, but I don't ever want to talk about tool and and um it's hilarious it's uh the, the we've all met people where like for example you know yeah you you might be into crossed uh just because you like um the storytelling and like the some of the issues that because of the extreme nature of it might get left out of other comic books it's mm -hmm. things that you feel are really important uh, i have always felt because i grew up around a lot of violence i was bullied mercilessly in school um, and I want to explore violence artistically. I have no interest mm -hmm. in doing it personally. I, like I said, yeah. I've been on the receiving end of it too much. I know how fucking ugly and disgusting it can be. I don't want to explore it in the real world. <laughs> I wanna yeah, but I no, do want to no. like try to heal from that trauma using art in my own, you know, per and, and that's my own thing you know that's, that's yeah. stuff that i'm interested in that's part of why i'm i was attracted to horror movies when i was a little kid because you know i i grew up in the 80s i'm old so like i you know was getting my ass kicked in you know kansas city missouri and people were you know calling me whatever i, I won't say it but like the f word and not not mm -hmm. fuck but the other one yeah, calling me yeah. a lot of really homophobic things and kicking my ass and stuff like that because they sensed something in me that i didn't even understand yet fully um, and, <clears throat> um, anyways, without going into too much detail, personally, no, like I, that's I was a beautiful drawn, point. I was yeah. drawn to that imagery immediately, specifically the film Halloween, because mm. I watched that movie. That I mine. don't know why it resonated, but I just saw Lori and Michael, two extremely confused, very hurt, traumatized people. And the fact that they do have a unspoken very twisted awful connection with each other too in that way of like both aggressor and uh i guess victim and they kind of switch that out sometimes not i'm not going to try to flip the you know script and say that 
you know, some bullshit like here's the fan theory. She's the real killer. Some <laughs> dumb shit like that. I mean, it's obvious she's the victim from, but also she stands up for herself and she physically attacks him and, you know, should have killed him multiple times in the first film. Yeah. Um, but, but either way, it's like, they're drawn to that world um, uh, because of the nature of how both of them grew up. And obviously, you know, later on in the film, you find out that that's part of their family or whatever. I don't fucking know. But either way, um, it, that, that's as I get older and I turn into, you know, an old man, basically, I'm like, oh, no shit. Like, that's why I loved watching slasher movies when I was a yep. kid, because my friends are being like, oh, those are too gross. And my mom even like, that's going to give you nightmares. And I'm like, I already fucking have nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. I already know. I, I've already seen things like walking into a bathroom alone and my friend's head is just gushing blood. And I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like, you know, Toby came in or whatever. Like, and I, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm familiar with imagery like that. So it's like, it wasn't that much of a stretch to get into, you know, I didn't see anybody get stabbed to death, luckily. Um, but, uh, um, but, but you know that uh, I understood that that imagery immediately. So, anyways, blah blah blah. That, that that's I think I think most people, especially when you look like a, a lame edge lord white guy, and you're like, I love like super violent shit. It's like totally understandable that yeah. anybody else who's not a white guy would be like, I'm very suspicious of you being into this. Of course, because like, how do how do they know? And and we've all been at parties where. We've been like, oh man, I love Halloween. And then some piece of shit's like, I'll tell you why I love it. Cause he stabs chicks or whatever, you yeah, know, some yeah, disgusting yeah. thing like that. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not why I like it. Like get the fuck yep. away from me, dude. Like, so anyways. I think that lends itself to our actual kind of whole reason for doing this is I've had to like convince therapists that horror is good for me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think I've only gotten or yeah, gotten through to one who really understood because I didn't realize until I was an adult that I've always grown up with some pretty crippling anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and the older I got and the more that I consumed more extreme and extreme content, um, the like, I think our turning points, Colby and I's, uh, was in college. We were like freshmen in college when a Serbian film came. Oh out. yeah, I'm very familiar. Yeah, with so that. us being 18 years old, we're just like, this is the worst thing ever made. Let's see it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, and we came from uh, very conservative Christian homes. Ah. Uh, Colby's father was a, a pastor. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Yeah, <laughs> and neither of us uh, scribe to that. Uh, particular sect anymore. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah I found it so interesting to see how horror has shifted lately with films like Hereditary, Midsummer. Yeah, uh, I think The Witch may be a little bit of a stretch because that leans in more into like uh, northern mythology and right. stuff. But yeah, um, so much is just the horror of anxiety. The yes, horror of just kind of having to exist <laughs> yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah I, and it's, it's crazy okay. go ahead please i was gonna yeah interrupt. it's it feels um at once kind of scary that this is so widespread and we're seeing it happen in real time yeah within our films but in the same breath i think it's such a strong argument for a horror being very therapeutic because like yeah. you said these very extreme, negative, violent emotions, but 
processed in a very safe. So exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Very safe, contained way. Like in my top five movies of all time, uh, two of them are The Thing and I Saw the Devil. Yeah. And those are some pretty fucking heavy movies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, The Thing is that, I mean, holy shit. If you ever have watched that in a theater. Oh, I've thankfully gotten to see it uh, twice in a theater, once on a film print. Nice. Is when I was in New York. A different experience. Oh um, my god, phenomenal! Like, yeah, I mean, I I had, I had seen that movie. Like, I I got on a big. I mean, I've always loved John Carpenter, but then once I started yeah. to actually kind of become a cinephile and specifically start renting a video drum. I mean, honestly, I didn't go to film school or anything like that, and that's no digs on anybody who did. Um, but video drum was sort of my film school basically not to sound like a big dork but um no that's the way but, to do it yeah yeah i mean i just the way that that store it i mean i've been going there since i guess yeah since i got here in like the late 90s so pretty much since from the time i was a, a late teenager until now um working there uh, on and off um and uh anyways it, it was a i guess I really kind of started to think of myself as a cinephile sometime around the 90s or early 2000s. Um, and that's when I actually started because of Videodrome, they would have director sections. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. weird. That's a... And then I looked in the, they have a big fucking John Carpenter section. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit. I was like, wait. Are... And then I went over to the owner, <laughs> Matt. And I'm like, are you telling me the same guy did Big Trouble in Little China? The thing, <laughs> Halloween, Escape from, like what? So like, and yep. all of a sudden, all these beautiful childhood and teenage memories of things that I either love seeing in the theater or whatever, just obsessively watched on TV or video. Um, I was like the same fucking person is b- behind all of this. Like, yeah. thank you so much. And anyway, something clicked in my brain and then I started, you know, kind of just tearing through every section in video drama. And anyways, it really inform- informed how I kind of consume cinema period. Um, uh, but um, what the fuck was the point I was going to say? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess we're kind of riffing it uh, this evening. Yeah, so yeah okay. we're good. We're good. Yeah. yeah, no worries. Yeah, we'll get in. We'll we'll touch the flicks as we go. Yeah. But we also kind of talked prior um, because of your relation with Videodrome and that being kind of such a unique history yeah. of it being still a physical rental place. Yeah. Um, we kind of wanted to just talk to you more about what we're doing right now. Oh, okay. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll hit the movies as we go. Okay. Uh, but this is totally cool. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, I'm, I just want to say like, I am so fucking glad that you guys, we all seem to be similar mindset, like on the same page. I'm so relieved because I didn't know yeah. anything <laughs> about y'all and I, I didn't know if it was going to be, Oh, I, I, I like a few Tool albums, and you guys are like, we love Tool. I'm like, no, that, I'm like, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I'm like, I'm, or, I hope. I mean, with two guys who have a very extreme film podcast yes. reaching out, we could have easily have been the people being like, no, I like it when he stabs her. Yes, exactly. That's that's. We it. have a couple rules. Yeah. What I call the evil movies. Yeah. We avoid those. Uh, yeah. Like. I, I have no interest in seeing like August Underground and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Same with me. Yeah. Because you know what? Yeah. When like, it gets down there's to no COVID, merit. Yeah. Because you know what? Uh, you can film your friend taking a shit. Uh, and it yeah, can be, exactly. that's the most extreme thing, but it's fucking disgusting. Who wants to yeah. see that? And now, the now, only... 
Now, having said that, if you can write a really good movie about your friend taking a shit and film it in an ingenious way, I'll watch that. <laughs> yeah, there's know. a movie called Butt Boy that I want to see. There you go. Oh, exactly. One of John Waters' but, favorites but Boy. of the year. Yeah, John Is Waters. It it's pretty incredible. <laughs> okay, I got to see it. I'm really I need excited. to see it. I was like, like, ooh, a detective mystery, and it's called Butt Boy, and John Waters <laughs> is his favorite movie of 2021. Yeah, it's yes. it's. What it the, seemed vaguely like the Greasy Strangler or something along those lines. It's pretty similar. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I loved the Greasy I, That's Strangler. been a really interesting... Um, I really enjoyed that, too. I didn't laugh once, um, which... <laughs> but, I mean, there was a... I felt happy when I was watching it, mm. and it, I got that... I did it. It was like... For me, I, I described it as, like, uh, if um, David Lynch and Tim Heidecker had uh, written a script together directed yeah. by Jared Hess. Uh, <laughs> yes! Or, or the guy, I can't remember, because um, Jared Hess is a director now. I can't remember the name of the the Utah filmmaker that did Nacho Libre and, and uh, yeah. Roman Broncos in Napoleon. Is, is it Jared Hess? I think, I think it is, actually. I think okay. you're right. I always get him and the lead actor mixed up in their names. Um, they're both filmmakers. John, John, thank Heater. you. Okay, yeah. J.H. Jared Hess. Listen, yeah. I know my Napoleon right. Dynamite yeah. trivia. Okay. Let me tell you. Yeah. No. <laughs> Fun I mean, fact. Great. I'm a big gentleman Broncos guy. <laughs> oh, dude. I. Okay. So I. Go ahead. Go ahead. Colby is not. <laughs> oh man. I. So I. I saw um, Napoleon Dynamite. Like that was most people's introduction to yep. Jared Hess. And like I was like, eh, pretty cool. It's cute. I like it. It reminds me of a little bit of growing up in in school in the '80s. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, but um, then I saw Nacho Libre in the uh, in the that shit's hilarious. And I was I was like, I, I had a weird. I, all I remember is I didn't have a negative experience in the theater, but I was just like, what is this? And <laughs> is it racist? I don't know. It seems like it uh, is. yeah, it's so but, tough. But yeah, I'm not. I just kind of was like, I don't know what to say about that film, so I'm going to move on. Fair enough. Hands and I had off. kind of yeah, and I had kind of moved past it. Um, and then my sister, uh, she was like, dude, have you fucking watched Gentleman Broncos? And I was like, what the fuck is that? I have no idea what you're talking about. And she was like, you have to see it. So I went to video drum and got it immediately and just fucking laughed my ass off. It's like, so good. I, I know it's so stupid, but like yep. the, that film is genius for a lot of different reasons. And I think it's his best work. I mean, I, I did. Oh, easily. Like the, I agree. The one about the con man too. That was fucking like spot on. Uh um, I can't remember oh. what it's called, but it's got it's got Sam Rockwell in it where he plays the biblical the Jesus. artifact. Yeah, he's like the biblical artifact guy. Yes, and he's just fucking yeah. scamming the fuck out of everybody. Mm -hmm. Like the whole movie. Have like, you seen it? I don't it's think awesome. so. Oh, it's great. It's Sam really, Rockwell. it's like Jared Hess, it's not a thriller. It's still a comedy, but it's sort of mm -hmm. him maybe coming into that a little bit where I wouldn't be surprised if like the next movie or a, another one down the line, he just does like a pure almost like Coen Brothers, like No Country for Old oh, yeah. thing, where it's like, there's only going to be like two jokes, guys. Like yeah. this one, like, that one was definitely the, the darkest. Funny and the darkest, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I, I don't mean least funny in a bad way. At a, at a certain point. That, or like, I don't, I don't think it's like he like, rant, rant, anybody, but like he like, I, if I remember correctly, someone dies and he's just Someone dies. Like, eh, yeah, I don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like terrible. Don Valdine, something, something mm. like that. I don't know. It's someone's Don, name. Don Verdine or Don Valdine. Ver something yeah, like something yeah. like that. I'm, I'm um, fascinated. And after, honestly, after hearing you guys talk about Gentleman, Gentleman Broncos again, I think I'm ready to give it another, another chance. It, I, I own it. 
I it hit me so hard. I mean, especially because <laughs> I I grew up all over the place, but mainly I grew up in the Midwest, and I know that I don't even think he's from the Midwest originally. I think they're from like like either mountain states or Idaho or something, which technically is the Pacific Northwest. I always get that confused. Iowa and Idaho, like I'm like, what? but yeah, yeah. I, I just being in the Midwest, it has a that movie has a very Midwestern sensibility to me. Just like, oh, excuse me, pardon me, like, like <laughs> yes. I say sorry when I mean excuse me. Yeah. That's how I grew up. Everybody says sorry instead of excuse me or pardon, and so mm-hmm. that was a big thing when I moved from the Midwest down to the South. Everybody was like this motherfucker's sorry all the time. Like he's like such a, like people would rag on me so bad. And I'm like, it got a lot better when I moved down here. Strangely enough, I stopped getting beat up as much. Uh, but anyways, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but um, the, the South is strangely nicer than the Midwest, uh, if you believe it. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that, that was the one thing everybody would rag on me. They're like, why are you so sorry all the time? I'm like, I mean, pardon. I mean, excuse me. I don't know how to explain it. I if yeah. you went to Kansas city. You would understand <laughs> or Chicago or what maybe, maybe not Chicago. It's a bit way I, bigger. I was, I was born in Chicago, hmm. but I actually moved down here really young, but I do also apologize for everything. Mostly. I think that's just, that's, that's just, just the Baptist. The, that's you. just the Baptist. Yeah, okay. There you go. That's a, yeah. Guilt. Yeah, yeah, that's just, just the, the guilt, guilt and yeah. the shame. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It all listen. It's all coming. Yeah. It's all in the yeah. package, you know. Let it all. We out, discussed guys. in therapy today <laughs> that my name and my religion growing up probably fucked with my head a little bit. <laughs> it's uh, okay. I'll survive. Yeah, I we'll do. I do want to talk about because you talked earlier about kind of how you were drawn to the horror genre in general. Yeah, and really, like, it's really fascinating perspective, and I was su- super excited to hear that. Um, I, I'm curious how that kind of fascination with horror in general, maybe what were some of the more like maybe disturbing, disturbing, more extreme movies that kind of oh yeah maybe introduced you to that world of horror movies? Okay, so I'm trying to think of, okay, so my first, I didn't see anything, um, but uh, oh man, there's so many weird memories banging around in my head I'm sure. about cinema in general. Um, cause I, I remember, but, but yeah, let's stick to the subject, like extreme horror. Okay. So the first thing I ever heard about it was my sister and my mom sometime in the late eighties when we were moving, when we were living in Kansas city, again, went back there. I moved around all over the place, but like I said, mostly in the Midwest. Um, uh, I remember my sister being like, mom, um, do you remember that film that we watched, you know, years ago and it was really scary it's really bloody and blah 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 and i i cannot remember the exact sentences that she said but years later i asked her about it and i i was like describe this movie to me because i remember like it scared the shit out of me just you describing that to mom and she like trying to jog your own memory about something that basically probably we shouldn't have been watching and it just fucking traumatized <laughs> my sister and that happens sometimes you know you're like yeah, yeah. you know show a whatever you're babysitting your niece or nephew and you're like yeah they can watch robocop and then you're like no no, no they can't watch RoboCop. <laughs> like, oh no like you know shit like that and you know um i remember one time watching legend when i was babysitting for uh one of my roommates the tom cruise flick yeah and the the yeah. they go get thrown in the um cages and there's those like weird pig like demon men and she just yeah. started 
screaming and i was like oh no i have done something so bad and i turned off the movie i was like what is it and my friend was just it was one of those things where he's like hey i'm gonna run to the store for like 10 minutes can you just watch tulsi and i'll be right back and i was like yeah of course like, oh, no. and so and then she comes back and she's like he showed me a big demon man like and i was like it was on it i didn't like i swear to god like so anyway that's, um, <laughs> that's hilarious yeah um i i feel uh, like i have a five-year-old nephew and i feel like that'll start happening with him soon because you forget it's like to you yep. you know stuff that shocks us is like it has to be really fucked up <laughs> whereas yeah. like some it's like a le legend i think it's rated pg i believe mm -hmm. and i didn't think it was too scary for a six-year-old but i was fucking totally wrong and i felt like such an yep. asshole and i was like i'm so sorry <laughs> i apologize over and over again and then eventually uh when i brought up later she was like what are you talking about like, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? Scared so easily. God. <laughs> um, oh, kids fall. Okay. So, so my sister, my first kind of, uh, yeah, inkling that that existed. So I, blah blah blah. I finally figured out my mom somehow had either rented, or they went to a theater and accidentally saw Blood Feast. Oh and, shit! And I don't. <laughs> no idea how that could have happened but we lived in a bunch of different weird places and it would show all kinds of shit and my mom just liked she was a big cinephile too like she took me to see Bertolucci's cool. the last emperor when i was like nine oh, years whoa. old and it fucking whoa. same thing just completely blew my mind so like yeah um a lot of great things where i've gone back and been like mom like you understand how cool that was like that you did that and she was like i don't know it looked neat like i, I wanted to go to the theater um uh, but uh to get away from your dad um but uh <laughs> my dad's an asshole we won't get into that but uh anyways um um dads what are they um yeah great question That's we, we've actually got a, our yeah. second podcast is called dads what are they so we'll get you on that one as a guest yeah there you go oh so so yeah, yeah. so that was my first we've got we've got plenty of issues all right yeah let's let's let him out um no but i was gonna say uh so yeah so that was my first like introduction to like extreme horror just hearing about it and then um yeah. of course uh once i got a little older and actually started like sneaking and watching horror movies late at night on cinemax and showtime and hbo and all that shit and then also <laughs> like kind of i can't remember how we would do i think a few we went to the video store and i just sort of like was like mom can i get this and she just looked at the spine or something was like yeah sure i don't care um and didn't know what i was watching um nice but um the the ones that i heard about once i was old enough to actually like start kind of watching stuff myself and cho choosing it because my parents were working and gone all the time so i uh were obviously the big ones for a lot of people were the the shining and the exorcist i just remember mm -hmm. same thing everybody telling me like I didn't sleep for all these other kids just being like, you'll never fucking be the same. Don't watch it. Like, um, <laughs> and I mean, I, I still I have to you. say, honestly, out of, you know, I, most people would not consider those extreme horror movies, but seeing them in the fucking theater that I, there's like no doubt in my mind that they can go toe to toe with any oh, fucking of course. extreme move. Cause like we said, any ding dong can film, you know their friend taking a shit or blood coming out of somebody's neck but yeah. a true good storyteller um that that's that's the the key when you care about those people um and they get hurt that's what makes it fucking hurt because you know if you want to make the most ex it's like those you know I, th I think to me there's a difference between like stuff that's disturbing and scary 
Mm. And like, they can certainly mix, absolutely. Um, but I kind of put like, a Serbian film is a really interesting movie to me. Um, and I, that, just like y'all were saying, I kept hearing so many fucking stories about it. And then finally I was like, I asked, cause like, you know, of course there's people that are like, you know, they, they tout themselves as being extreme cinephiles. And, and I have no interest in seeing like actual real violence. Like I watched mm. Faces of Death and Traces of Death when I was like a teenager with my friends where they would be like, hey, my friend got us a bootleg tape. Fucking yeah. horrible idea. Completely uh, yeah. fucked I've me I've seen in the Faces like, of Death. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like it. Like I don't, and, and my stupid ass friend when I was like 18 or 19 or maybe I was even 17, I don't know, late teens, showed me the movie traces of death and she didn't tell me what it was she was just like you're gonna love this shit you like horror movies and the opening scene from what i remember correctly is bud dwyer the senator shooting himself on live tv and like that never like i don't not only do yeah, I, I know that story to, but i've never seen the footage it's so fucked up do not watch it um, yeah, no, it's and I'm not, and I'm not, that's not a challenge to anybody who potentially is listening. Oh, it's no, like, like therapists and psychologists have over and over again said to from probably from the beginning of psychology, there is no psychological benefit to watching real violence. It doesn't, you, you're not going to get tougher and figure it all out. Whereas, like, I don't know, and maybe. I haven't heard any argument about uh, artistic violence. Um, I mean, obviously, there's that's not true. There's an insane amount of arguments about that. But um, <laughs> from in the in the field of psychology, I've never heard yeah. a psychologist say like, "Don't watch." But I mean, obviously, you might have some some experience with that, uh, Christian. Yeah, with people telling uh, you not to watch it. I've I haven't had it straight up being t <clears throat> don't watch. They haven't said don't watch they have greatly questioned why that is what i gravitate toward and why when i want to relax that's why uh, yeah because <laughs> like, to me the thing is a comfort movie yeah oh yeah like, absolutely. it's such a cozy movie that i know backwards and front i absolutely adore it and its thrills are welcome to me yeah um, okay I remember you were telling me your other comfort movie was, uh, what was it, Irreversible? Hey, fuck off. Oh. That's not true. <laughs> I've still never seen that. I worked in the Plaza Theater when that originally came out, and so many people walked out of the theater, and every kind of person, by the way, not just yeah. like a certain, you know, not the, the stereotype of little old ladies coming out being like, what did you show me? Because I saw some fucking little old ladies go into that shit and then come out and be like, that was incredible. Um, <laughs> so like, I mean, it was, it was that I, I've been scared to watch. I know I should watch it Remains at some scared. point, but um, uh, the, yeah, I was, I just remember hearing the sounds of the movie yeah. Um, specifically well, the obviously sexual assault yeah. scene, but most uh, the the first one where they beat that guy to death with the fire. Oh yeah, and that was the one where the biggest walkouts would happen. Oh, um, interesting. And, I mean, uh, yeah, the movie starts yeah, with that. True. Yeah, and so that was like it was just hearing the sounds and then hearing mm -hmm. the audience reaction and then seeing like you know five to ten people it wasn't a lot, but five to yeah. ten people enough. every show coming out and be like. And some of them were like shaking. I felt so yeah. bad. And I would just pick, I, I don't, you know. I almost walked out of my own living room 
Oh yeah. Well, we were watching it because we I had, on neither it, of us oh, had never seen ago, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had never seen it, right? Neither yeah. Of us, yeah. Yeah. Neither of us had never ever seen it, so we were like, "All right, we're doing an extreme cinema podcast. Let's cover it." Um, and I'd seen all of his other stuff. Okay. I'd seen I Stand Alone, Enter the Void. Yeah. Climax in theaters. I've not seen. Oh Love. wow. You didn't see Love, and I hated Love. Yeah. I did did not like that movie. Um, but I wasn't a fan. Yeah. Like we, I didn't we, really we enjoy like any of this him, stuff. But he's an interesting filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's got his own section of video drum. Exactly. It's small, but it's there because people ask. People ask, and same thing. It's so bizarre. All walks of life. People come in and like, "Where's your Gaspar No movies?" And I'm like, "Right there." <laughs> interesting. Uh, Irreversible lives up to its reputation. Yeah. Okay. And it may I'm, be a little worse. Um, I wasn't prepared for the level of homophobia that's yeah. going on in it yeah uh i wasn't i was genuinely not prepared for the assault scene yeah. and we thought we were we thought we were yeah. we'd yeah. like we were desensitized enough like we'd see yeah. enough but absolutely like, especially like knew it would bother me but i figured like i've seen enough i've seen i spit on your grave i've seen yeah. all of this stuff i think i can handle it yeah and it it's really one of the most visceral things i've ever seen the the, yeah. the like reaction that you had was like intense i was upset yeah. i was i was angry and yeah i think one of the interesting things is to to like one of the reasons why i mean again i've i've honestly stayed away from gasparno's whole filmography specifically because i'm i'm just kind of scared and it's like one of those things where like i don't know if i have it in me to i don't know it's like everybody's different everybody's got their own lines and they know when they i mean i've like you know, relaxed watching Day of the Dead. And one time I was mm. stoned with my friend Richie and he had like a fucking full on panic attack. I think Day of the Dead is like a beautiful message and a beautiful movie. Oh, it is. Um, about militarism versus like cooperation and like, guess who dies? The fucking militarist assholes. Yep. Like the people that are all fighting to survive and, and depend on each other, they fucking make it and get off to the island. Yep. Um, so I love that message. I think it's one, but I remember getting stoned with him and i was like yeah this is a great you know movie it's george romero's fucking incredible like he's such a badass motherfucker like um got so many great things to say about humanity a lot of ugly shit obviously but same thing it's like i thought that movie was kind of mild and he was just like oh fuck dude yeah. oh, fuck, oh fuck oh fuck like turn off turn off turn off and i was like what <laughs> like there's not even no one's even there was just like zombies period but and I felt so bad and I turned it off and you know I was like I'm so sorry dude like we can go let's go have lunch or walk around do whatever I'm you know but but anyways it's um you know everybody has their own line and I think especially like you know to your viewers or listeners like I think it's really important to if you're going to be exploring extreme horror or horror in general or even like you know crime cinema or whatever you have to fucking listen to your own voice mm. And it's not worth it to push yourself to watch them because I, like I said, I completely fucking traumatized myself watching that Bud Dwyer assassination video still haunts me to this day. And like, you know, I'm not, well, I wouldn't say I, I don't wish I had never seen it because, um, you know, it gave me a window into like some really fucking sad shit basically. Um, and I guess because of the nature of, how I approach art and the things that I'm interested in gave me some, I had, I, I was familiar with some of that imagery. So it didn't completely like destroy mm. my brain, 
it wasn't that much of a stretch to get to, to, to that kind of stuff. But, but anyways, everybody should listen to your own inner voice when you're exploring these movies. And if something starts and you don't feel comfortable, don't push yourself to watch it just because you're like, I gotta, you know, yeah. there's no, there's again, there, there's no, there's, there's all kinds of movies that customers have told us, you know, to watch or get in the store. And, you know, it's like, why? I don't want to watch Puke Demons 9. Like, it's just people puking on each other. No Are you thing? talking about like, Lucifer Valentine 666? I, I don't know. I'm just making something up. But, but, but oh, yeah. So, there's a movie called Slaughtered Vomit Dolls. Oh, I, that's, that's it. I remember. <laughs> I have not I seen close. it. You were I close. haven't seen it, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but but that's one of those it's, ones. It's where, on my list of no-nos. Where it's like, yeah, these these weirdo edgelord filmmakers. And you know what? That person might be brilliant and a really sensitive, caring individual. But like, again, all I heard was just like, yeah, it's like watching a cheap porno where everybody's throwing up all the time. I was like, ew, gross, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, again, no, 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 whatever. If somebody's into that and they're not hurting anybody, that's yeah. fucking great. Good for that. That's where we come from. I, yeah. I don't want to. No kink shaming. Yeah, yeah, no kink shaming, yeah, zero yeah, no kink shaming. shaming on this Absolutely. podcast. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> yeah, zero. If you're into puke, good for you. Thank you. I just don't want to see it. That's all. Exactly. Yes. But, Agreed. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. actually incredibly that's, well that's said. My own, yeah, Unless Sean Waters is doing it. Yeah. Yes. See, okay, weird. <laughs> see, that, that's the thing about it. There's weird exceptions that we all find ourselves making. And yeah, he certain, feels wholesome. Yeah, he does. I, well, yeah. he's like, there are certain filmmakers um like john waters and like david cronenberg where like mm, you're they take you down fucking scary alleyways but like you have gained their or that you trust them yeah to to not you know you that that that's one of the interesting things i think about like i guess just like filmmakers that deal in transgressive imagery and subject matter specifically um is yeah, if you trust them as a filmmaker, that's a beautiful thing. Um, like, uh, yeah, uh, John Waters is a perfect example of somebody where it's like he could t- say it's about anything and I'll fucking watch it. I don't care. Um, and uh, <laughs> Completely it, agreed. And it brings me back to uh, a Serbian film, really. The one thing I wanted to say about the movie, I think is really important um, that was completely fucking lost. And I think it's really sad and kind of like, offensive and almost like i don't want to say racist but like kind of culturalist in a way um where the so you know obviously y'all are aware of all the hype and all the crazy shit where people he potentially got charged with like exhibiting uh yeah. child pornography or anything even though the that movie is 100 made on a soundstage no one was hurt mm-hmm. like it's there it's not real um, mm-hmm. It's all fictional. It's a bunch of makeup dorks with prosthetics and blood, like, uh, you know, having fun, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But but the thing that was really, like, I read an interview with him after he had been chased out of a bunch of film festivals. And his response was like, basically, if you don't like what's going on in Serbia, fuck you. Like, this is the kind of stuff that happens all the time where I live. And I wanted to make a movie about it to exercise some demons and express mm-hmm. something that's going on in my own country. And if it's fucking sickening to you, like he he's he smartly found a way to package it almost like as an exploitation movie. But yeah. really, it's just a that's one of those movies that's like I will gladly recommend when customers come in and they ask for extreme horror movies, and they're they're there's and like I said, it 
maybe I didn't emphasize this earlier, but every type of person will ask for extreme horror. It's not just yeah. dudes who look like us. Yeah. I've seen old couples come in. I've seen like, yeah, like, you know, like 18 year old, like women that look like all look like Billie Eilish. And they're like, we want to see the most extreme stuff. And like, you know, or, or I've seen like, whatever, like a bunch of, um, you know, like uh, nerdy, like middle-aged women come in and ask the same thing. There's three of them and they're like, so it's the sickest shit. Like, and I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like that's, you got it. And there's a few that, uh, a Serbian film, um, uh, Martyrs is another oh, one. Oh, yeah. Not the remake, but the, I haven't no, seen no, it, no. but the original one. Um, and uh, and um, there's one other one that usually, oh, uh, Raw, that's another one. Oh, that cool. I, oh, I love I, I'll, I'll reckon, yeah, that's a good flick. Just, you can not only are they extremely well-made films like they use like real cinema cameras and mm -hmm. like you know not i mean whatever that's not even that's a whole nother argument you can make a good extreme horror movie with any kind of fucking camera of course totally. the story is good enough and you're passionate about it doesn't matter but um i'm gonna pull this down by the way to adjust the lighting yeah. i don't know if that's gonna do anything but <laughs> nice i can see great yeah. um but uh but yeah that 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 was something that about a Serbian film, which I, it, it made me sad that that kind of got lost in the argument about it. Everybody's just like talking about how violent and disgusting and brutal it is. And it's like, um, do you know what's going on in Serbia and like Eastern Europe in general? Like it's horrifying. Like I, re I remember reading that. I think I read the same interview cause we've vaguely discussed that of, um, I remember after seeing it and discussing it with you when we met year uh, like a year or two later uh and being like did you know that this is technically a commentary yeah. on what it's like to exist yeah uh, all those eastern uh, Bloc countries post communism like the organized crime groups just you know there was a power vacuum and they yeah. had to it's a i mean so i that's a we can't even go to, into that. It's a whole oh, yeah, no, horrifying of history of, but but needless to say, like a lot of places in the world where there are power struggles constantly over resources and land and shit, especially when it's between two giants like Russia and Europe and Eastern Europe is right in the middle. And when there's constant redrawing of lines, and, and again, I'm aware that this happens in many, many places in the world, including uh you know uh latin and south america like but again that's a whole nother mm -hmm. thing that we shouldn't get into because i'm not an expert on that but there's but another we we came across a film semi-recently <clears throat> that uh i believe is mexican i think it's chilean oh it's chilean you're right uh called trauma and it it gives oh. serbian film a run for okay. its money i saw we just got that in not to or maybe some kind of reissue is it relatively new Yes. It's like 2018, oh, yeah. I think, 2019. So, so, yeah, we just got a copy of that at Video yeah. Dump because I think it's on our new wall. So I was curious because I thought it was a reissue of the Dario Argento movie, oh, no. which I've been mm -hmm. trying to see. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I've i only seen Serbian film once when it came out. Uh, yeah. It was back in the day when, like, Pirate Bay was still a thing and, yeah. like, got the uncut version and all yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, we had to From get what a I remember. of it before we it oh, actually really? came out to to put it out. Like the, we had to get a bootleg of the uncut yeah. version because we felt that that was the right copy. Exactly. To, 
Anyways, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so what I remember of the movie, because it's been like 11 years, yeah. 10 years yeah. since I've seen it. Yeah, I haven't watched uh, it again I, either. <laughs> I remember it being like, I, I think I remember distinctly saying to somebody being like, the directing is awesome. The cinematography is great. The acting's phenomenal. Uh, it's compelling all the way through. And I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's like when I saw Dancer in the Dark by Lars von Trier uh -huh. in a fucking packed theater at the Terra um, uh, when it came out. And at the time, I just remember, uh, God, what was his biggest movie before that? It wasn't- Was it um, Europa? Oh, I don't remember. It was like right before Dancer in the Dark. He had a minor, I think it was The Stupids maybe, or something like that. Oh, or The not, Idiots. No, no, The Idiots, thank you. The Stupids is a joke, yep. I just made forget it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Idiots, yeah, it was The Idiots. And that had played around town many years before. And everybody was like, oh yeah, he's part of that whole Dogman 95 thing. And like, mm. it's awesome. It's like a Harmony Korine movie. And so my partner at the time, she was like, hey, let's go to uh, the theater. Let's go see this new Lars von Trier movie. It's the same person who did uh, The Idiots. And I was fucking completely unprepared yeah the, the 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 descent into hell that is that movie um it's not even a horror movie just a drama uh yep. just a good old drama easily um, <laughs> top five saddest movies of all time oh, when 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 the end where you know i don't want to spoil it for anybody but basically the end of the film when the magical fantasy world is all gone and she's singing a cappella into that room yeah. um i remember doing this number and i saw this huge like ex-football player cop dad just like <laughs> just fucking weeping like uncontrollably and i was like holy shit dude like this guy and uh, and then i looked and i realized it was everybody in the theater and I was already crying anyways. I was trying to do the silent, like, oh, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry. But my body was doing it anyways. Um, and then, of course, yeah. once I saw everyone crying, I immediately was like, eh, what the fuck? No. So um, what the fuck was the point of that story? Uh, other than... Um, yeah. Oh, I think I started on trauma. And all of ooh, that was just right. to say, it feels like it's trying to do what a Serbian film was doing. Yeah. And less successful. Uh, it doesn't do it. Oh, I will okay. say, I will oh. say though. So we, it's it's really fucked. We, though we watched Trauma yeah. uh, a couple weeks before we did our Irreversible episode. Oh, okay. And, which, yeah, not great to to really double up on those. But <laughs> Christian's kind of like physical reaction to Irreversible, Trauma gave that to me. Ah. Like pretty much within the first ten minutes of Trauma is like the most fucked up yeah. stuff yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. And the rest of the movie mm -hmm. is is not great it's oh, just okay kind of the rest of the movie is kind of like uh i mean it's just the assailants keeping people in a house and kind yeah. of fucking oh, like them. the rest of, that, the rest of it is movies that we've seen before yeah the, yeah like the first 20 minutes is like they're just the first shock you and yeah. and i was shocked <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah I, I was unprepared like christian yeah. was unprepared for the irreversible scene and so but but to, to That's your not point, to say I was prepared for Trump. Fair, yeah, nobody was prepared <laughs> for that. But to your point about how how yeah, a Serbian film has a lot of this Hello? Uh, disturbing. Oh, okay. yeah. oh, I lost you guys for two seconds. Okay, you're back. But, you're back. Yeah, I was just saying. So the way that a Serbian film has those extreme elements, but also has kind of the you know storytelling and 
context to back it up. Trauma. Yeah. That and just doesn't have the same thing. So it's interesting that you guys got it at Videodrome. I, I can't say I would have expected that. <laughs> they got yeah. most. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, we get all that stuff because our customers ask for it. That's the main thing. Like that's sure. the, and Matt really, I mean, m- most everybody there, the last thing we ever want to do is judge our customers for their tastes. Or mm-hmm. we had a few assholes back in the day that like, I remember getting like, complaints where you know somebody be like hey man i rented billy madison and like your cashier made fun of me and i'm like who <laughs> fucking tell me who that's shitty that's not cool that like, is shitty i love billy madison and and i remember like i it's a fucking brilliant film and that i could go on a whole i could do a whole podcast about uh tamara davis <laughs> Next one. in that movie she's oh she's a fucking, yeah she's a genius um yeah she's great uh talking about under underappreciated auteurs like she made fucking cb4 half big yeah billy madison and it's great because if you watch the billy madison uh um uh commentary on the, the one of the special distance she just fucking talks about lighting the entire time it's so awesome whoa Not that's one so cool. goddamn thing about adam sandler's ridiculous bullshit <laughs> that he was doing while they were filming it in canada it's just all her talking about how whoa. she was able to echo and emphasize the jokes in that movie by um using lighting and she once i started to kind of like it 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 completely blew my mind in terms of just like uh, an an added layer that makes that movie so goddamn funny is uh like for example um if you look at like uh once he goes to school all of the lighting in the school uh follows the general aesthetic of those types of schools so for example the when he's in you know first grade insanely beautiful very colorful all the way down to like like almost like rainbow colored gels being put on all of the windows (laughs) where normally schools don't have that they just have normal windows but you go back and look through and you can see this like brilliant color palette and design the whole way through and it really does make when i was watching it i was like this is you know what a fucking genius wow totally totally underappreciated anyways that that's sorry i really did not anticipate to uh have my already present desire to rewatch billy madison uh, uh be stoked during this magnified. conversation it's such a brilliant movie <laughs> yeah. for a lot of reasons but but so um uh what were we saying yeah i don't know i i think with the serbian film that that you touched on it a second ago one of the things that i think really makes that film work uh, other than obviously it coming from a very passionate and, you know, sensitive place that this guy is the Alice in Wonderland frame. Mm. Um, if you watch that movie, it really is like, uh, it's kind of like um, uh, people say about like Jack Hill, like who made Switchblade Sisters and Spider Baby and a bunch of other uh, coffee, uh, Boxy Brown. He was an avid Shakespeare fan and mm. all of his movies are remakes of different Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. So cool. like um, Switchblade Sisters is Othello and uh, fucking Spider Baby is like, I can't remember. I, I'm not. I'll Spider Baby is the only one that I've seen. I think oh, of all of those. So fucking yeah. good. Oh my God. Pit Stop. But that's been Holy years. Shit. Pit Stop is one of the best fucking. I love that movie. So uh, with oh, yeah, this. So, uh, yeah. No, finish your point. Oh, no. But that, that's what I was going to say is like um, using uh, a classic storytelling mode to 
uh, kind of guide the audience through hell, basically. Um, mm. That was a really smart choice that he made, where I think that that's what separates a Serbian film from potentially something like trauma. I've never seen it, and I do want to watch it now, actually. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, separates, like, a Serbian film from, for example, like, the fucking guinea pig movies or something. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. like, bad, cheap, crappy gore. production yeah. gore. And, it, you know, really what it is is it's just a bunch of makeup dorks trying yeah. to gross each other out basically which that's awesome which is fun it's, it's fine great. yeah it's fine it's it's fine it's got its own place um in the canon or whatever but like something like a serbian film i feel like is on, on a different rung than that because of the nature mm-hmm. of the the storytelling is really important in that film and i i think that he hitchcock's more stuff than you'll actually remember and by that i mean mm. he leaves so much more to your imagination it's like the texas chainsaw massacre yeah most people remember that movie as being gory as shit and super fucked up there's like there's no blood. like exactly like i remember watching a, a fucking uh commentary disc um with toby hooper and he's like well here we go here's our gore shot this is the one in the movie enjoy it while you can for all the assholes that said that this is the goriest movie ever made you're wrong <laughs> Yeah, They're like it, this is five gallons right here in one in one setup. <laughs> but it shows like, how effective that movie is because, yeah. like, watching it now, I think I watched it again, uh, maybe about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still is one of the dirtiest looking movies. Oh yeah, that I've and ever that, seen in the best way. That comes from the sixteen millimeter uh, newsreel stock that he was shooting. Oh yeah, that and that. It, essentially is kind of like the equivalent of like almost like bad dv cam at the time like that was what the news shot on because it was fucking cheap and you know i mean that was the literally why they used it because it was so goddamn cheap i mean mm. and that adds a whole sort of uh i mean uh which which we'll call it um the thing that came i mean it 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 what am i trying to say uh god i'm losing there's a whole genre of movies where you're found footage. That's what I was trying to say. Mm. That precedes yeah. the whole found footage thing. And obviously it's not really, it's not a found footage film, but because at the time, especially talking to like older dorks uh, or cinephiles or even filmmakers that I met um, working on stuff, like they would be like, oh man, when that fucking came out, I was, you know, this age or whatever. And it was like, it looked like the news. Like mm. that, that my brain had that by by choosing to shoot on that film stock and cutting the movie the way that he did um it mocked a lot of vietnam war footage mocked a lot of like violent you know uh police cracking down on protesters stuff Mm -hmm. in the 60s like and he came from the documentary filmmaking world i want to say i haven't seen he's got a couple of movies that came out before text chance master yep. one called eggshells that's about specifically vietnam veterans dealing with ptsd i've never seen it me neither um, i'm familiar with that one i'm not familiar um i think there's one more Is yeah there... he's, got, he's got like two or three that were okay. sort of like studenty kind of things yep. while he was at the i knew about the vietnam one Austin. but i've also never seen it <clears throat> yeah but yeah i've only, I've only seen from text chance massacre forward um yeah but, but but that's a that's a thing that gets kind of forgotten about that one of the movies one of the reasons why that movie is so fucking impactful is has to do with the the lens that it's peering at mm. and at that time again it, it's it's you're basically watching like a vietnam war footage cam like watching you know these unemployed 
dirt poor um, mentally, uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, mentally ill people that don't have any services whatsoever at their disposal. They, I mean, that, that's another kind of whole other thing that we could get into about that movie specifically, but it's, and I won't, but, but, but yeah, I mean, that those kids wind up dying because, (laughs) because that family doesn't have any fucking social services at their disposal. Yeah. There would be no chance of massacre if they got to go into a place, get, you know, access to, to mental health care, food, like, (laughs) yeah, you know what I mean? It's fascinating that like the most extreme genre horror and thriller and all of that nonsense and crime films all of that often are dealing with and directly reflecting the woes and troubles of our society like back then with with carpenter and hooper and craven it was all response to the vietnam war yeah Uh, oh yeah have you got you guys have seen that movie the american nightmare right uh, yes, I've seen it okay. multiple times. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, it's a documentary oh. about about that essentially. Yeah, oh, about about basically the seventies and eighties, and maybe even early nineties horror in general being like mental dump out yeah. from the Vietnam mm-hmm. War and the turmoil of the sixties. Basically, everybody just being like, "This is so fucked up. Like, what do I do?" Like, and so we're seeing it again now yeah. with. Oh, uh, hereditary the lighthouse like just these mentally broken characters yeah think about how many movies have come out about cults or touching yeah since trump uh either was talking about becoming president or did become president like and not even the big mainstream ones like i'm talking about like those included but like i can honestly because i'm Trying to like remember everything them. I can't is remember. but yeah, it's there it's, are so many. Yeah. I noticed uh, it, it's really fascinating. I noticed like a kind of sort of uh, water change, or I don't know, water. I don't know, change, change in the water about the change time tides. It, it follows came out when that mm. movie came out. I was like, hold on a second. Like there was some cool. Not to say that. I'm not one of those people who's like, there's nothing good made after like 1995. Like, uh, but uh, for a while, I kind of was. There, for a while, there I, wasn't. Yeah, Dog yeah, it. I was. Uh, yeah, I was. There was some, 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 you know, kind of uh, lanterns in the dark, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of if you're just a horror fan, like there was so much horrible garbage uh, that got put out. But, um, but I remember like, um, just not really having that much of an interest in modern horror for a while, except for some of the foreign stuff. Um, and then I remember it follows came out and I was like, Hmm, like not a flawless movie, but yeah. very, very good yeah. and very interesting. And from that moment, and when did that Great come score out? Like 2000? Oh yeah, absolutely. When did that come out? Like 2010 or 11? Or uh, no, I think that was cause I'm later moved to New later. York. Uh, the year that came out, I think it was 2014. 2014, yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so way later than I thought. But but either way, um, but yeah, I noticed like something. There was a few kind of thing. Uh, if if you want to call it like the you know whatever like the the new wave of American horror or something, mm. I really feel like it started in the early 2010s and then oh, has continued now. And I I've I've talked about that many times to customers and other just people who like movies like no dude like this is a fucking incredibly important like very um well yeah it's just a a 
what am I trying to say? An incredibly important, um, very uh, <laughs> I'm, poignant I kind of yes. like yeah. It's it's important. It's an important uh, movement in the in in American cinema right now, and I think that some of my favorite horror movies, like uh, yeah, have a lot have have come out. Like I mean, yeah, fucking Hereditary, Midsummer, um, It Follows. Uh, that director's cut of Midsummer. Oh Which... yeah, Ari. Uh, I can't remember. Aster, yeah, I will watch anything that he oh, does yeah. now. And Wait, I mean, uh, remind me, remind me, what what's his new movie coming out? I know Christian knows about it. What? Um, it's like something. That I can't. Nuts. It doesn't have a name, but he gave like a very brief uh, synopsis. Right. I I'm blanking. It's been a it's while. Something since weird. I don't. Read it, we, it, don't worry about it. It's interesting. And, and the interesting. <laughs> yeah, thing his is shorts are crazy too. I've heard that. I haven't watched any of yeah. his shorts. I heard the. I read about the one about the son the one the dad um yep. and i do want to see it because i heard it's it's really good but also I heard it's extremely <laughs> fucked up and yeah you know but but whatever like um yeah i um the, he's really interesting to me and specifically uh hereditary and um uh midsummer like i mean i would consider both of those extreme horror films and yeah they were mainstream giant fucking hits i mean like so many people i knew that had no interest in seeing horror movies and would even say i don't like horror movies would be like hey did you see midsummer and i'm like what i saw i saw midsummer with a friend when you were telling the story about smoking weed with somebody uh and them getting freaked out yeah i had a friend over and we got stoned and watched green room and that's another uh, one he got like 45 50 minutes <laughs> in there was it was like a group of us yeah yeah he got like 45 50 minutes in and just stood up and was like later dude yeah <laughs> like just yeah. left <laughs> once the 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 machete chopping i think was it was what, that yeah that was the but one because that dude but, hit me up and was like have you heard of midsummer uh, and i'm like you want to see midsummer yeah, yeah. and then we went and saw it and like right when we sat down i was like i'm really surprised that you wanted to see this dude and he's like why i was like it's a horror movie and he's like yeah huh, didn't know <laughs> yeah and you're like uh so you're in for it dude. do the peace out thing pretty quickly like yep. i mean the so, he stayed oh man see that but but that's that's you know what's really fascinating about and something that i keep coming back to about horror and why if in the hands of really good storytellers you can fucking take anybody anywhere and especially if it's coming from like a good place and i mean that good place might be like fuck i'm so angry about all the shit god damn it and that's literally the message um or it could be you know whatever something more personal and and uh and but like i uh, those two films specifically like, I mean, I would put them up there easily with The Exorcist or The Shining. Like, I think they're oh, I agree. masterpieces. And mm-hmm. it blows my mind that I'm like seeing shit, you know, um, uh, with my friends or my wife or like, um, and like looking at stuff that those kind of, that kind of imagery was relegated to like, you know underground films and now it's be- like specifically the um 
the the ritual suicide uh the elder suicide scene yeah. that was the first part in the movie where i was could kind of feel it just being a dork about horror movies and kind of reading the score and the tension and you sort of know intuitively like oh, i think some fucked up shit's about to happen um but i wasn't prepared for what they were going to do but again i I sort of knew where it was going. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I've even <laughs> been in movies before where I'll kind of like, I'll hear like a score piece or something like that. And uh, I'll be like, oh man, damn it. And somebody's like, what? Yeah, what? no, what totally. Nothing happened. They're just talking. And I'm like, somebody's going to die. <laughs> like that. Yeah. like, how yeah. do you know that? And I'm like, well, that's just listen to the music. Yeah, listen to the music. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, with um, with uh, um, with Midsummer, that, that, that scene specifically, I remember like, it was like the it was like the mental equivalent of like the the everyone getting locked into their chair all of a sudden mm -mm. like kind of like uh oh like, <laughs> like you could feel the whole fucking room just completely change after that and i remember hearing some guy going like holy fucking shit like just loud I love that um and no one was like hey quiet down or something like everybody nope. was like yes i agree with you sir like holy <laughs> fucking shit what are we watching but then again it's like you had already seen such great uh storytelling and filmmaking already and you really cared about the characters already so you're like well i guess i'm in for the ride because i want to find out what happens yeah so i think that and, and then of course you know the meme now like everybody at the end would be like you know good for her <laughs> yeah that guy. exactly that guy's a piece of shit good it was not her. fun for me uh sitting in that movie and seeing how much of a piece of shit christian Shin was oh, and everything I that happened to him oh, and i'm sucks. sitting there just being like hmm mm -hmm. this right. sucks am I, am I shitty <laughs> not all guys named christian are bad am i shitty boyfriend <laughs> yeah oh I, I mean but see that that's one of the great things about horror and uh specifically horror and crime cinema i would consider those or thrillers or whatever that they yeah, can yeah. blend into each other but i would consider those kind of the most two extreme forms of cinema um and mm. that's one of the great things about is like you can for example uh another movie that i don't know how we've missed i mean fucking get out that's another one that's like um, oh yeah yeah uh just instant classic just like midsummer and uh hereditary when it comes out where you're like i'm so fucking glad that i'm alive and i get to go see this movie yeah. in the fucking theater and watch it's like because those are with horror and crime cinema you can take the audience into really fucked up places that if it was a drama or a comedy, they would not be down for at all. And most importantly, make them ask really hard, dark questions about themselves. Like, and that's extremely important because especially in the, you know, terms of like get out, it's like you have a brilliant fucking comedy writer. Um, obviously he's a huge horror fan. Um, uh, you know, I, I remember when I just saw the, the poster and the teaser trailer i was like if a comedian that's you know i love uh key and peel and oh yeah like watched it obsessively For and sure. i loved all of the um 80s and 70s like sort of genre things that they would do in the show and i was so so many times they fucking nailed it and they didn't have to mm -hmm. it didn't make mm -hmm. the joke any funnier but for people that are big nerds i'm like yes like that looks just like manhunter by michael mann like thank you for <laughs> doing yeah. that like you know that kind of shit and so there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to make a brilliant movie but 
I didn't know what it was going to be about. And then once I started to figure out the plot, I was like, this is like some George Romero shit where he's making most importantly in America, all of these fucking white guys go into this theater and have, have to sit in the head of a black man for at least 90 minutes to yep. think about, and not like I'm trying to say that that solved it. I mean, I, I'm, again, I won't get into that, but it's like it by just virtue of the, the, the story itself, you're taking all these white people and putting them in this guy's place and they have to sympathize with him. And I definitely mm-hmm. saw people in the th- theaters, like white guys get up and be like, this is fucking bullshit and like walk out. And it's like, well, you didn't, you know, obviously it's not for you, sir. Yep. Uh, you you don't want to face those questions. That's fine. It's obvious to everyone in the audience why right. you're leaving. We get it. You're a fucking racist piece of shit and you won't even acknowledge it. Okay. But, but, yeah. I, I, but, but that, that's one of the things I like about horror movies is like, they ask like intense fucking questions about humanity and, of of your own heart and it's important like just like you were saying where you're like man am i a bad boyfriend like that that's yeah. important shit man you need to like ask those questions of yourself and i think mm-hmm. you know unfortunately the people that really need to hear it uh are the ones asking themselves most, those questions they're the ones who are actually <laughs> stabbing people uh but yeah. um <laughs> but uh yeah it's like you know it, it but there's a lot of gray area and and it's um yeah, I mean, I, I, that's that's one of the reasons why. Um, God, how did we're, we're all over the place? Um, maybe I am just me. We're, we but, all are. We're following. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah. So to get back to, <laughs> let's talk about Fulci for a second. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So so I think specifically, a lizard in a woman's skin. Um, again, he's dead. So anybody yes. watching this that's upset by him doesn't matter. He's rotting in a grave. And I feel yep. really bad if like one of his relatives are watching this. I'm sorry. They definitely um, are. They're fans. We- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I think that that movie, especially for the time, um, you know, it's part of the whole like giallo cycle or whatever mm-hmm. of uh, animal named movies. I mean, there's all, I, I could talk about that for three and a half hours. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think that that movie specifically should be remembered because like I was saying earlier about the weird libertarian guys that like accidentally say like super progressive shit. Um, I feel like because that movie's so, it's like, it was so misogynistic and homophobic that it accidentally touched the other way and asked some really yep. important questions about queer sexuality. Um, and uh, like, and from this perspective, like suppressing desire. Yes, and and yep. also like, it, uh, you know, again i don't think he intended this at all but like for (laughs) white women specifically to like uh deal with their own homophobia um and like what that means i i I don't i can't answer those questions because i'm i'm not a woman so and he also inadvertently was like you can't blame it on the hippies yes yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i know that that's uh um i don't know i just i think that movie is brilliant for a lot of different reasons i think the Morricone soundtrack, like, of course, like, oh, yeah, adds so fucking much to it. Um, and looking on the rest of his career, I still kind of don't even understand how that movie got made. It's so fucking beautiful, especially it's... if you watch the uncut version in Italian, by the way. Oh, flawless. flawless. We saw we saw the longer one, but it was dubbed. 
Okay, so yeah. that that's something that I would like to recommend to the the viewers. Um, I know I know that Italian movies, almost all of them, especially if they were fast and cheap, they would they just didn't record sound because they'd have like American oh, yeah. actors and German actors and Chinese actors and you know French actors, and they're just like everybody just say do whatever. your thing. Yeah, but um, the movies were written in Italian and. Um, like I, the first time I saw Suspiria, um, I loved it. But the first time I saw it in Italian, it fucking blew. I've my never mind. seen it in Italian. It's yeah. it's a completely. I mean, I don't. Maybe you know someone would disagree with me, but I've gone back and watched so many Argento and Fulci and uh, um, Sergio Martino and Berto Lindsay. I've watched, and I, whenever I get those movies if it's available i prefer yeah. to watch it unless i'm high and i don't feel like reading and then i'll just fair totally dub. um yeah. <laughs> and do what you want to do but uh but but if anybody wants to experience like if you've seen suspiria a hundred times and you want to experience it in a completely different way watch it in italian it's fucking i need beautiful. to yeah and, and that's the other thing that's really sad with a lot of those movies is like uh they get like cartoon actors sometimes or voiceover actors to well city of the living dead the uh, voice of the sun oh yeah or whatever is insane <laughs> it's like an adult talking as a kid it doesn't make, yeah yeah it doesn't it's make crazy sense. yeah yeah they, so they get these very it i mean it's like um the first time i watched a uh like an uncut um uh shaw brothers movie like in chinese like i was like this mm. is a fucking beautiful historical epic this is not like some ridiculous kung fu exploitation movie like this is like should be up there with like you know fucking remains of the day or some shit like yeah it's it's not a i mean don't get me wrong there's some trashy as shit shaw brothers movies like but but some of them are fucking beautiful historical epics and it's like it does not deserve to have the dude who did the voice of leonardo and the teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> dub in this old man that's not don't yeah. do that. And there's also like weird tinged kind of racism things where it sounds like English actors sort of making fun of oh. Chinese people and they put in like a different soundtrack too on the American weird. dub where it'll have that, I'm not yes. even going to do it, but like just really insulting I, yep. mock Chinese music. And then you switch over to the Chinese language soundtrack and there's like orchestral music and you're like, why didn't you just use that one? Why do you have a guy with a synthesizer going, you know, I'm not going to do it because... Yeah. To say it would be racist, but but you know everyone knows that I'm talking about Absolutely. the stupid they, stereotype yes. of uh, Chinese music. For sure, they'll have it in those bad kung fu dubs. So, anyways, that's a whole other thing. But, it's um, interesting uh, that you mentioned with the Shaw brothers because I feel like Fulci does this, but we also touch on an, uh We've covered another director a couple times, and we'll cover him more. But Takashi Miike is very similar. Oh, oh. in having some absolute gorgeous like almost prestigious like masterpieces oh yes and then pure fucking gross yeah. schlock yeah yeah like absolutely. just milk a lot of milk yeah our first episode yeah. of the cellar dwellers uh was covering visitor q oh i've never seen that before i mean he's it's got, got a lot so of tit milk in it oh god <laughs> <laughs> i saw the first movie i saw of his was i think oh i watched audition and, that was my first yeah, as well. Yeah, and I was like, "This is like psycho." Like yeah. it's, it's <laughs> it was phenomenal. It's that fucking good. Like I've yeah, and I, I felt like it's a romantic the, comedy. Yeah, at the beginning, I, I know that's what's the brilliant thing. It starts yeah. off as like a Catherine Heigl movie, 
um, but about <laughs> if Catherine Hagel was a single dad and her, <laughs> yeah. and her, her, her son was trying to get her to start dating. Um, exactly. but, uh, it's, 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 so, I mean, that's the same thing you care about. And, you know, he's a little bit like the dad's a little bit misogynist, like the mm -hmm. whole audition thing's kind of like humiliating and like it for a few seconds, once you start to figure out what's actually going on, you're like, he kind of deserves that a little bit, but obviously <laughs> does not deserve to be, you know, no. tortured and murdered. Oh. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a second where you're kind of like, man, fuck this guy. But um, most importantly, <laughs> yeah. as you're getting to know him, like you, you know, I mean, he's, if I remember the story correctly, like he's like grieving over either mm -hmm. his wife she, passed. Yeah, she passed. So like, give him a fucking break. Like, yeah. Um, and it but, was his it was his business partner who because he works right. in television was like, yeah. hey, man, you're grieving, but I think yeah. you need to date. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. And he just kind of went along with it. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. fuck so he's he's kind of <laughs> he could have said no. <laughs> yeah, but, he uh, could have. But yeah. it was too grieving to, you know, we've all. Yeah, that's it's, no one deserves to be paralyzed and have their uh, feet cut off. <laughs> no, no, I mean, especially I not. Yeah, especially not for looking the other way socially when you're grieving already over one other death. So yeah, true. Sure. But 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 either way, his friend is the one who deserved to have his feet cut off. Yes, <laughs> yes, truly. Oh, thing up. Um, that's the sequel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The real guy. If yeah, I can't if, wait. Uh, I can't wait to do more. Obviously, we've done a, we've done two Mickey movies so far. We did Visitor Q and Gozu, but he's oh, done so I many movies. That. Oh yeah, that, he's like, done like a hundred and. Yeah. Like so I want to say seriously, like 150. And I think I've seen like seven, yeah. eight or yeah. seven of them. Yeah, yeah. And so we're excited to to definitely like dive into some of the more weird stuff of his. Oh yeah. Uh, what I, what I was trying to tie. Oh yeah. That into because you pointed out like the very first thing I noticed about a lizard in a woman's skin is the cinematography. Like oh yeah, holy shit, somebody. this is a beautiful yeah. looking movie. Oh yeah it's it's uh it's incredible like the, so much the, more so than contraband too yeah oh I yeah was super... contraband is a fucking ugly movie it is <laughs> yeah just all around all around it is it's also <laughs> hard to follow yeah it's confu I, it's one of the i i like it just because it's fulci doing his own take on the sort of policia teshi mm -hmm. like slash italo crime uh wave of movies and as y'all probably know like in italy um in order to compete with television um and uh they would and also like other um big genre films that would come from different countries including america if something was popular they would just fucking burn it into the ground like so when jaws came out insanely popular in italy so they made like no shit like a hundred jaws ripoffs well and that's so the story just of stopped. zombie 2 right yes absolutely yeah. same thing like it, all those cycles it's so great that's one of the things i love so much about that like there's a whole cycle where mad max the warriors and escape from new york were insanely popular in italy so they just stuck all three of them together and made uh -huh. like a hundred ripoffs and you got movies like 2019 after the fall of new york um uh fucking in game um oh god there's so many more that i can't even think of uh, i'm fascinated by this um uh 1990 bronx warriors oh i'm familiar with bronx. that one that yeah. one's on tubi yes yeah. oh my okay i have to say this i'm i'm not down with uh advertise or um what am i trying to say streaming I'm not, I'm, 
I, I'm no, 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 no. I was going to say, uh, I'm not trying to do a bump for Tubi here. Oh yeah. But, um, if you can stay watching the ads, their library is fucking. It's where we watch trauma. Uh, we've, um, they have so much aero video vinegar syndrome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for people that are broke and can't afford to either directly buy or rent. Yeah. Or yeah. Or, the, or, you know, don't want to pay Amazon or whatever, which whatever, no judging any of that shit. I mean, sure. honestly, at this point, I'm like being a cinephile and having so much access. I don't care how I get my hands on it. Yeah. I just want to see it. Yes. And if I don't have to pay some piece of shit corporation, I'd rather not. Um, mm -hmm. but, but Tubi has been nice. Cause we don't, um, we just have like Hulu and like Netflix. I think that's yeah, pretty standards. much it. And like, I have YouTube premium, um, but that's yeah. a whole music thing that whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, this is turning into an extremely dry, boring conversation. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I was going to say good. for anybody that is broke and download Tubi, if you can stand, especially if you have a remote, you can just fucking mm -hmm. mute it when the stupid commercials come on. And yeah, they have all these beautiful, like remastered, um, their, their cult collection is, I mean, all there, if you just go into the, the cult of the horror sections, there's, yeah, it's crazy. Of, I mean, I'm, I remember literally a few nights ago, because they have a ton of Godfrey Ho movies, um, who to know. I'll just clarify, because I mentioned it earlier, he was a, a Chinese exploitation director, and mm. just made like, he literally made 150 movies from 1973 to 2002. Um, Damn. And, uh, but I mean, some of it is the worst shit you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> but at best, it's like, it's like uh, Ed Wood, Herschel Gordon Lewis shit, where you're like, this is bonkers. And a normal filmmaker would never come up with this. And I cannot stop laughing. Um, <laughs> Robo Vampire is the one I would recommend. I watched that. I've heard of ago. that. And it's, uh, it's a hopping corpse movie with uh, a Rambo, or I'm sorry, a RoboCop ripoff thread thrown in. So it's like a genre blend of Beautiful. RoboCop versus um, uh, Hopping Corpse. Uh, I am intrigued. Yeah, it's, this isn't, it's, that's it's on not TV. The person Hell who yeah. did, um, no. It uh, might be. Of the seven he did 150 first. movies. Uh, I don't oh, know. I've seen he, the seven movies. He did a awesome. lot of ninja movies. He did a lot of, um, quote-unquote Bruce Ploitation movies yeah, after yeah. Bruce Lee died, did a, a, several of those, did a lot of Hopping Corpse movies. Um, but, I mean, he pretty much went wherever, like, the paychecks were basically like, oh, good, like, you know, Hopping Corpse movies are great. I'll make, you know, whatever. I'll make 20 of them. And it's yep. nuts, too, because he was so he was so prolific. He actually would, like, I think what he was actually doing was just constantly shooting stuff because a lot of the movies are actually... Um, blended plots from other films so if you watch like one in between two or three of his like ninja wave you'll see like wait a minute that actress was in the other movie oh no this is just scenes from twinkle ninja <laughs> oh <Fantasy>. that's crazy <laughs> like literally he's got a movie called twinkle ninja fantasy by the way which is i think one of the greatest movie titles I've ever heard. twinkle Power. ninja fantasy yeah <laughs> um but sorry that was a godfrey ho uh uh tangent there um, well you're but, opening us up to his stuff so okay. we really appreciate i mean that. i can already say that i've i've learned in this conversation i feel like i've learned about so many filmmakers that i want to check out, Aww, out. okay so this is already like so helpful uh, good i hope i'm not like bulldozing too much over i can i can really get overly excited when i talk about cinema and i'm we I'm do to be, as well yeah and it's like it's one thing if 
you're talking with people who are okay with interrupting each other. I just grew up in a family like that, like where Same. people just talk over each other and it's fine. But once yep. I got out of that situation, we're always like, you're a fucking asshole, dude. You don't <laughs> let anybody talk. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I just get excited. I don't know. Yep. No, um, we do as well. Yeah, it's okay. a-okay. Yeah, okay. So yeah, literally if- Just to bring it to kind of the nature of the genre as well, and specifically <laughs> extreme cinema, because with Fulci, he didn't make any comedies, do you know? He did. He did, actually. He did? He, oh, okay. Yeah. So he, I want to say, directed about somewhere between 40 and 60. I cannot remember. Yeah, I know he did a lot. Yeah, and if and a lot of them you can't find in the States at all. Like, mm. they're just kind of lost to the ashes of time, unfortunately. Um, he did, and, and just by the nature of the Italian film industry, there, like we talked about a second ago, there's cycles, and he would just follow what the cycles were. So he's got some um, like sex comedies. He's got like proper giallos. He's got zombie movies. He's got um, the one, I don't know if he did any other crime films other than Contraband. Um, and he did oh, okay. uh, some um, Westerns that are fucking incredible. That's like, cool. I mean, would actually fit in the extreme horror genre for the oh, apocalypse. Wow. Um, and cool. um, I'm trying to think of, Silver Saddle, I haven't seen. Um, and then he's got another one called uh, Massacre Time. That's also, I think, called Good like title. Django yeah. Massacre Time because there was a bunch. There's a whole Django cycle um, that uh, uh, that's another thing I can't get into because the like 60 Django movies. Um, the guy that yeah. played Django is the dude. Franco Nero. He's the original uh, Django. Yeah. He's he's. I think just this week it announced that he's making a new movie and casted fucking Kevin Spacey. Oh, oh that's no. Him? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe Frank O'Neill is a piece of shit. Who knows? Who knows? Great actor, but um, got a really nice face too. Ooh. Very sexy. But um, yeah, but he, uh, <laughs> he's, yeah, who knows? I don't know. I mean, I thought, it, um, but what was I going to say? Yeah. I mean, I, I recommend that. That's one of the things that I like about Fulci is like a, uh, you can really go through a lot of his stuff is available on YouTube. That's sorry. There's mm. a fly. Um, uh, so I've, some of it, unfortunately is not dubbed. So I was just like, well, this is the only way I'm going to be able to see this like weird, you know, Dracula sex comedy that he made in the sixties. So, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I have to watch it. Um, but, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He, he, he was a lot, like a lot of the, I mean, honestly, you know, I don't think he's any, I don't think he's particularly any more genius than a lot of the working filmmakers that were going on in Italy at the time. I think it had a lot to do with just the nature of their training and like the nature of the industry. They had a certain kind of baseline that they didn't want to go above or, or below or whatever. And I mean, he's just as talented as like, yeah, Umberto Lindsay and Sergio Martino and Dario Argento and stuff like that. But there's something really special about his movies that I agree. And it's, it's, he talks about it a little bit about um, he calls it an Artoian sensibility. Um, and Arto was, it looks, his name looks like it's uh, spelled Artaud, but uh, like A-R-T-A-U-D. He was a playwright, I believe. Um, and he had this very like kind of hellish, almost like H.P. Lovecraft, like cosmic sort of like God has turned his back on humanity long, 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 long ago and forgotten about us. And we're 
like just Frankenstein's monster, like, you know, ruining the planet and he's not coming to save us and fucking forget about it. Like that, that was basically his, his, he was a devout, like deeply religious Catholic, but he believed that, that God and Jesus had like, was just like, you know what? you guys suck we're leaving and we're not fucking coming back. <laughs> that was pretty much his 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 uh view on the world philosophically and his daughter even said that like on film productions sometimes like at lunch or like uh during a break she would like find him in like the nearest graveyard like touching the headstones and talking to them and like crying and stuff like that Damn. so it's like really just i mean he was dealing with a lot obviously yeah and anybody i mean I've even read stories where Ennio Morricone will talk about just growing up in, I mean, Italy from the thirties onward, oh, obviously yeah. literally being born under fucking brutal fascist rule, yeah. then seeing all that shit take place and then living in the post-war society and its effects on everybody there. And then you had starting in the sixties, the Ani di Piombo, uh, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly which means the years of lead and mm. it was basically when the police the mafia um the left-wing terrorist organizations and the right-wing terrorist organizations all started fighting each other um basically having gang wars with each other and it it just caused fucking total chaos uh in italy from the 60s until the 90s the crime wave was like astronomical mm. so much fucking murder so it explains part of the reason why their cinema is so also opera because oh opera yeah is just opera is bloody as shit and all the, the storylines are very much in the wheelhouse of you, you i'm sure you could adapt several italian operas and make them into extreme horror movies if you wanted There's to genre yeah exactly so yeah. so the, when they you know bloodlet they really fucking do it um yeah. <laughs> like nobody else um, but uh, it kind of circles back to uh, the American nightmare. Oh, yes. It's, they Absolutely. it was all under fascism. So, of course, their shit's going to be probably wildly misogynistic and insanely violent. Yeah, because that's I mean, giving them a little credit that they're not as misogynistic <laughs> as their films, yeah. but they likely are. Yeah. Um, but it's still the same. It's 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 their cultural upbringing. It's what they were around, and it's the nature versus nurture thing. Yeah, yeah. and 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 when I found out about that, like I mean, obviously, any you know country living in the post, especially in 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 Europe, uh, around or after World War II, I mean, it's insane the kind of shit that all those people had to go through. Um, uh, just the fucking level of um seeing people that uh you knew as a fascist stormtrooper and then cut to 10 years later and they're like the town mayor yeah. and you're like i fucking remember when you rounded up people shot them in the back of the head and pushed them into a shallow grave and now you're the town mayor and everybody forgot because you changed your name and no one gives a shit anymore and yep. there's bigger fish to fry like that kind of that kind of you know horrifying reality so it's like really interesting thinking about all that stuff and how it affected the cinema and that's part of why the 70s ones specifically uh are so brutal and like I, the the crime that that's a whole nother thing the the crime films from italy in the 70s are 
also could easily you could you could show those to an extreme horror fan especially contraband that's i mean but but again contraband that, like the f- the blowtorch scene oh is yeah wild. i did not yeah i i mean i i love that movie for a lot of different reasons i don't enjoy watching those scenes they're fucking mean but at the same time yeah, that like, scene and obviously the assault scene over the phone yeah he was just uh, brutal shit yeah and in in that whole cycle the police Teshi italo crime wave or i mean <laughs> italo crime art wave yeah. <laughs> not not the literal italian crime wave but um uh that was um uh what was i gonna say a lot of those filmmakers were scared to say anything about the mafia at the time yeah. and because of movies like the godfather Dirty Harry, The French Connection being super popular in Italy at the time, because it was part of the genre, all of a sudden they were like, oh shit, like we can say this, it's in the wheelhouse of this genre and nobody's going to fuck with us because we're just represent, we're just giving our audience, they want to see, they're already going to see the fucking Godfather, so it's not going to be that much of a stretch to do, you know, whatever, our own version of that. Um, And uh, that contraband is part of that wave it was actually kind of near the tail end of it um because i think it came out in like 80 or 81 and the police teshi slash italo crime wave kind of ended yeah about about like 82 and you have this weird thing where a bunch of filmmakers like sergio Cabucci, who did uh django uh, the original one and like the great silence which is like one of the fucking best westerns ever made mm. um moved down to florida with his brother bruno and they started making these like ridiculous slapstick comedies with terrence hill and bud spencer like i don't know if they were living in miami or just going there all the time there's this whole weird wave of italian exploitation movies being made in florida and georgia in the 70s and early 80s and there's actually an atlanta filmed et ripoff what um, that my friend mike bruni who's a filmmaker told me about he was like oh my god dude you gotta fucking see this shit it's on youtube i can't remember the name of it but um, oh damn it's like he like some psychic little kid like gets it's like a buddy cop movie but instead of the it's a it's a cop and then like he like pairs with like a psychic little kid who's actually an alien he's like et or whatever and it was all filmed like it was yes he does something like but it it came out like 84 85 yeah sometime around et Um, it wasn't uh, just a product to sell mcdonald's yes and it was made in like (laughs) shot in like Riverdale and like Covington and uh, yeah, yeah. College Park and shit like that. That's insane. That's, there's, I could talk about, that's a whole nother. That's crazy. That's something else I've been getting really into recently is starting in 69, there was an Italian comedy made here, 69 or 70. It was the first Italian movie that was ever made here, completely in Italian, like by an Italian filmmaker. And for some weird reason that kicked off something and uh all these italian filmmakers started coming to georgia and florida and making a bunch of movies so that's a whole nother weird interesting thing and then that's why you wind up having horror movies like the visitor um oh yeah which was entirely shot in atlanta in the late 70s and it's like you know have you ever seen that before no but i'm familiar with it i don't think i knew that was shot here yeah it was made um i cannot remember the filmmaker's name it doesn't make any sense and it's like a mashup of carrie and the exorcists mixed with like um the Exorcist. actually i'm sorry the exorcist 2 i have to be very specific (laughs) it's like a ripoff of the The heretic right yes 
it's a ripoff of Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and, and Carrie and some other weird things all smashed up. And uh, the little girl and her mom lives right at the top of Freedom Parkway, um, right <laughs> next to the King Center randomly in that Whoa. weird sort of like super modernist Michael Mann looking building that's right there. That's their house in the movie. So anyway, Whoa. that's a, that's wow. a whole other weird thing. I'm so I'm super obsessed with like old movies that have been shot here and specifically Italian ones. Uh, it's very totally. Fun. Yeah, I didn't even know there was so cool. a uh, collection of that stuff. Oh, Where's yeah. Ful so Fulci shot um, part of City of the Living Dead in Savannah. Actually. What? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's supposed that. to take place in the fake like H.P. Lovecraft city. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember what what the name of that is. But but anyways, I remember looking up because I found this list. I was like looking up that movie Jane, Jane Mansfield's car by uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Mm. And I remember looking at the look because I knew it was filmed here, but I was like, I want to know specifically where it was filmed. And there was a, a little listing on there and it said like Covington and Conyers and shit. And then there was one that just said Georgia, USA. And for whatever reason, I clicked on it. And then it was like a master list came up of everything starting from the late 1800s until now that Whoa. has been shot in Georgia, USA. So everything, if someone logs it onto IMDb as being made in the state of Georgia, no matter what city it is, it could be Valdosta, it could be Augusta, it could be Albany, it doesn't It'll, matter. Wow. It will show up on the list. So I found out that Legend was partially shot here at Agnes Scott. I'm not fucking kidding. You can li Whoa. literally Google it right now. And don't know That's the story cool behind that one. Who knows? But Ridley Scott was able to come in because he was a European filmmaker and Italians had already been coming here and making these movies super cheap. Maybe they worked out some kind of tax credit yeah. back in the day where they were like obviously bringing European filmmakers over here to shoot these movies because it was too expensive to stay in wherever they were. Um, wow. And they were getting these big breaks. So anyways, that's... And then it comes full circle and yeah. we're back to doing that again. Where yes, is ex yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So it's really fascinating. And uh, um, and there's still so many movies I haven't seen uh, that were shot here that, uh, especially by Italian, Italian filmmakers where I'm like, I don't know, that that's... I'm, I'm getting way off the subject, but, but, um, what brought you to Fulci specifically? Uh, cause um, one of the main, yeah. uh, questions <laughs> that we had, uh, being into this genre, uh, Fulci comes up, like, obviously the biggest one is zombie two. Yeah. That's... We get his work, um, with Argento and, uh, Bava, I believe on demons. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah uh, so, like, yeah. those are the big ones, but you picked very specific movies, uh, ones we weren't familiar with. So, we were super excited about that. But what initially got you into him? Because for me, it was Zombie 2. Yeah. I heard it. about the eye scene. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Yep. I, so I had a friend um, uh, that before I really started to, think of myself as a cinephile he was like <laughs> going into borders and stealing all the anchor bay uh dvd box sets <laughs> nice um like all the time and he would be like dude you know like you gotta fucking watch this like you know triple disc edition of dawn of the dead with me like it's a minute you know Hell whatever yeah. and i was like oh cool i was down for whatever but he i remember <laughs> um him telling me i don't even remember how it came up but we we're like driving around and he was like dude and he's like i fucking watched this insane 
gore zombie movie it like blows away dawn of the dead in terms of like the makeup effects and all that stuff he, he no hate on dawn of the dead it's one of my yeah, favorite yeah. movies of all time but like he was like it's like the the gore and the makeup and everything is like ramped up like way more significant and he was like and this is exactly what he said and this is what hooked me he was like fucking zombie fights a shark dude and i the picture i had in my head was like so nuts yeah. and i was like if that if what I'm picturing in my head is even close to being what I think I'm going to see on the screen, I'm so excited. And I mm -hmm. had this almost like frame composition that looked something more akin to like, um, uh, like what's seen in a lot of kaiju movies where there's like a fake mm -hmm. ocean with like a big background and like monsters coming out of it or something. And I imagine this very like bad Dawn of the Dead looking zombie sort of like in a, in a medium shot, like, you know, punching a shark real cheesy yeah. or something like that. Um, but then when I saw it and it's like, you know, they filmed that in um, a tank in Mexico with a guy that wrestled sharks nightly, sharks yeah. and crocodiles, or not crocodiles, maybe alligators, um, just part of the circus. He was a circus performer and he would literally do this every night. It was very, uh, I mean, according to the behind the scenes, he like loved these sharks and was like, I mean, they were his performance partners. They did scenes literally every night to you know, tourists and, and, uh, people in the city. And so anyways, uh, that, that, I mean, I, the, the, the scene <laughs> went way beyond what I was imagining. Um, uh, I couldn't believe it. I was like, it's a real shark and it's a real guy yep. in fucking zombie makeup. Like <laughs> it's in a, insane. In a very well set dressed tank that looks like the ocean. Um, and yeah, it's beautiful. And the way that they cut that, I think that was one of the main things about that movie was like that that's, I think that film for anybody who's watching this, obviously you probably already watched some Fulci if you're watching this already, but like that movie got me. I, and I think, I don't think it's his best movie. I honestly think the psychic is probably his best movie or hmm. um, an Italian cut of the beyond when you watch it with the actual Italian dialogue, same thing, completely fucking different film. It feels kind of cheesy the beyond but i've not seen the italian oh, it's so it's it's totally and I, again i know it's like there's not any different cuts or anything it's just yeah. they're just speaking italian the whole time but and it's maybe the performance it's, it changes yes, things exactly and it's like you have actors who are italian and they're speaking mm -hmm. this dialogue that they've been working on so the people who are in there dubbing it know the cadence and rhythm and of their own fucking language and and most yep. importantly these beautiful words so it's like it's not an American, you know, yeah, the guy who played Leonardo in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles being like, oh no, don't go there. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of shit. That, that, that's like, I, I remember when I saw Suspiria for the first time in the theater, lucky enough to go see it mm. when, um, I can't remember who, I want to say it was like Grindhouse releasing or something, re-released like a, the definitive version. And I went to go see it with my wife and she was like, dude, like this movie's beautiful, no joke, but like, this sucks. Like, I don't get it. I don't. And I totally was with her because that experience was like it that again, that movie's visually like incredible. Yeah. I, I was pissed off that I know they were trying to do like the most definitive uncut version, but it was like jumping in and out of Italian scenes and then English scenes. And I'm like, mm. why don't you guys just I know you already put in so much work and supposedly that remaster took like years to do. It's like, why not just make the whole thing in italian seriously I, I know that that might have hurt their marketing or it at the very least just then just put the english dub soundtrack and don't yeah have it jump in and out but it was it was it was like a muddled i mean it's like the scene in 
that stupid Paul Rudd movie where he's like, you ready to hear Rush? And then he plays it on his MacBook <laughs> with no speakers. And she's like, great. Like, that's what I felt like. He's like, like no, you, you got to slap yeah, it in the face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> It's like, uh, yeah, that's what I felt like. I was like embarrassed, you know, like, even though obviously I didn't have a hand in making Suspiria, I'm still, I pumped it up to so many of my friends and my wife and stuff. And, them, and they're like, I don't. I've had that, that exact same experience with Suspiria. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there you go. So stoked. Yeah. And being like, I love this movie. Can't wait to show it to yeah. you. Show it's it to like them, and they're tale. like, "The fuck is going on with yeah, this? Yeah. What dubbing? is this shit? Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. It's, yeah. it's But it looks yeah. amazing. I highly recommend if you can. I don't know because the last copy I had was a DVD copy that had a full Italian language soundtrack. I sh and I um. And it, and it translates to other because I showed my mom. My mom loves murder mysteries. Like she'll watch. If it's not mm. too brutal. She'll watch any murder mystery. Um, it can't be like mm. gratuitous or mean, but well, it can be mean, but not. She can't <laughs> handle gore, obviously. Sure. But um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I showed her a uh, deep red, and I showed her an Italian. Oh, I the, love the, deep red. I showed I showed her the 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 cut in Italian language, and it fucking blew her away and she was like that was one of the best mysteries i've ever seen and because it was presented in that way she didn't think no it was like this you know sort of pulpy you know uh proto slasher i mean again that's probably the best giallo like ever made it's fucking masterful but it is a sleazy like um oh, you know, yeah. lurid i mean it's very i mean that's what giallos are they're most of them started off as literal adaptations of uh edgar wallace and agatha christie novels and mm -hmm. you know giallo means yellow spine as in like yep. in italy you guys know in italy they had to legally put any kind of basically violent or pornographic uh you know um uh literature had to be by law have that yellow spine or maybe that was just a marketing thing i don't know maybe it wasn't a legal thing but either maybe way a little bit of both yeah maybe a little yeah. bit of both um but um but yeah my mom didn't have any of that backstory she doesn't care about giallo cinema she doesn't give a shit she just watched it and was like that's one of the best fucking murder mysteries i've ever seen in my life and i was like yes <laughs> thank you mom like you, yeah. you you validated my point it's great so i have that i have that relationship with my parents with like certain movies uh that i'm just like baffled that they ended up loving um with with your mom it sounds like she has a little bit more expansive taste than my parents did but like the example with mine is my dad years back like called me and was like I just went to the movies saw a really hilarious film and I was like oh what did you see and he's like inherent vice I was what? like you liked inherent vice <laughs> like what's awesome whoa like I loved it but I had no expectations yeah. of you enjoying it but see that's almost kind of like in a weird way sort of touches on what we were talking about earlier in comedy because it's a it uh what I would refer to as a hard genre. And I don't mean like hard mm -hmm. and tough. I mean, like, like when I say hard genres, like horror films, sci-fi, like things that are not trying to disguise themselves as anything else. Yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing wrong with people that color outside the lines. That's fucking great. Um, but like uh, movies that just have a box and you're comfortable to sit in that. And, and with comedy specifically, like if it's, if it's, marketed as a comedy that that's another one that you can really catch people off guard and i'm trying to think of like some almost like extreme comedies um well i was going to try to bring that up 
because that's so fascinating about horror and extreme cinema <clears throat> is that you can do an extreme drama, something like a uh, uh, Mikkel Haneke or something. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you absolutely. You horror, which is obvious. You can do well drama or musical, Dancer in the Dark. Oh yeah. Uh, but then comedies like. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be lofty in terms of uh, leaving you in despair, but it can yeah. be insane over the top. Yeah, or absolutely. Like, yeah. Uh, Riccio, the story of Ricky. Oh, oh man. Oh. Yeah, stuff like that, so which good. is just a pure joy to watch. Yeah, but it's absolutely. technically extreme as hell. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But but I saw that in the theater. Um, uh, years ago so some of my buddies that are all actually now they work on you know whatever they, they're like set dressers and stuff mm. they work in cinema but they used to run this thing called splatter cinema at the um, plaza and oh, cool. I don't know how the fuck they got any of these prints we we saw an original or not an original well no I guess it was we saw a uh, it was very red and it was cut to shit and by red I mean like it was aged we saw um, a, a film print of Blood Feast, which was fucking cool. Wow. I mean, it was ha it was like a drive-in print. There was all right. kinds of. But that's shit. still so fucking yeah. cool. No, it was awesome. But yeah. um, they they uh, through Media Blasters, um, who put out a really good version of Riccio, mm. they were very kind enough to um let them have their one of their prints that they made um, Riccio of, and it was the dubbed one where his voice sounds a little bit like Michael Jackson. Oh. And, um, and uh. I was, I've never watched Riccio um, in the Chinese. Like, I really want to go. We've only seen it dubbed as well. I feel like it would add a whole nother. I mean, that movie's, it's based on a manga. So it's yeah, yeah. very comic bookish. I don't think yeah, I'm right. going to get an extra. Because this is actually, you know, sensitive. <laughs> Another layer. Um, yeah. But, the uh, voices but just might not be as goofy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> the scene where, um, so luckily the splatter cinema uh, kids at the time like had built like quite an audience um uh, so we at this point uh, i don't know i'm saying we i didn't have anything to do with it i just went to all their fucking movies um then some of them are my friends really nice people actually some of them do silver scream spook show oh, and okay. shane, shane morte who's like quite you know he's kind of a character around town that nobody probably listening will know who he is but anyways he's a brilliant makeup artist um that actually does work on a lot of movies and super nice guy is um, that the guy who i think i've met him before is he, he designed the cheddar goblin the from che i was about to say oh yeah, yeah that dude. guy yeah. i know that he guy literally, he's so cool. yeah yeah he's amazing he's a sweetheart yeah. so nice and he's one of he those works people on that, your pretty face is going to hell yes yeah, yeah. he works yeah. on all kinds of stuff um cool. and he actually <laughs> when i went to go see mandy at the plaza um it was like my second time because i was like i gotta fucking see this as many times as i can while it's on it's theater. awesome he was there um with the cheddar goblin <laughs> uh, like like basically kind of like selling stuff and just like talking to the audience. Like I was part, you know, I didn't go to um, Belgium to, you know, shoot this movie with them, but like uh, I was on the second unit that did the Cheddar Goblin commercial, like, or third unit or whatever the fuck. Um, and he was like, and I, I did make the Cheddar Goblin. Um, that was all Adult Swim kids that, I think that that was oh, like yeah. a mm -hmm. day off that they had from your pretty face. And they just used a bunch of wow, like the same crew and stuff. So it's pretty much like a, 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 a fake episode of your pretty face is going to hell but yeah. like um if i remember correctly i may be wrong. maybe they were making an another show at that time but either way um it was really cool because uh he was showing me he was like um uh yeah he had it and stuff like that and i was like dude is that the one from the movie and he was like no and he's like panos <laughs> made me 
give that to him like he basically yeah. panos was already editing the film back in victoria in canada where he lives with his wife um from what if the story is correct um he was already cutting the movie and then they had already planned already to have it but it was something that they were not it was not costly for them to stay in belgium and shoot that whole commercial they were like oh we got some friends that can do it in atlanta it's going to be really easy and we can just tack mm -hmm. it on to the end of one of our days or whatever during lunch or something um and uh um so anyways uh so it's completely shot separately crews obviously but um either way once uh, pano saw the footage and they started sending it to him uh like he was like oh my god like you guys <laughs> fucking knocked up our kids. that's so awesome it. it's so much better than i you know scripted out and uh storyboarded and like please send me the fucking cheddar goblin it's so not the most memorable part of the movie but it's arguably the most memorable part of the movie i agree with that 100 yeah. percent. um and i think also that that there was when i uh at the plaza I was probably at that same screening because yeah. I have a picture of me with the Cheddar Goblin. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. He, yeah. He said that that was a clone basically. Like he made, you know, cause as most, I mean, being movie dorks, you know, like a lot of times they just build things so they can literally be in front of the camera mm -hmm. until, and sometimes it's like not even well constructed where it's like, it just holds for five minutes while we get the shot. Then we can. So he said he, <laughs> um, I mean, not to say that Shane's stuff is stitched together. He's always, but I was going to say, um, uh, yeah, so he made the Cheddar Goblin. I think they maybe made, I think they just made the one because they were shooting so quickly. And then once Panos was like, I need that. It was like, oh, fuck, well, this is the master. So he had to make a clone, basically a clone mold. I don't know how that works. But so the one that he now has, it's like many generations, I think. I might be wrong about that but but i think i want to say that they even might have like got the master mold from him potentially to make like because I, I think they literally have made like cheddar goblin keychains and all kinds of crazy shit but they're all Merch. based on yeah Shane's. you can buy the mac and cheese oh okay like, yeah. yeah that makes yeah. perfect a sense. friend of mine bought a few boxes <laughs> oh, so awesome oh man yeah. that's, a, that's a whole nother uh podcast talking Seriously. about Panos, cosmatos I, I mean that's an interesting and his family yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, like, um, you know, I mean, I would consider Mandy and uh, um, uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow yep. to be extreme cinema. I wouldn't necessarily mm. call them extreme mm -hmm. horror movies because I feel like, I mean, Mandy is a horror movie, I guess, but it's also kind of a crime film and like a fantasy film a little bit. And then Those like, only get lumped in, I feel, to horror just because there's no other place to put them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because there not is really obviously a drama. It's not a horror. It's yeah. definitely more crime culty. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. It's a bunch of mess. It's almost, Speaking of that cult. Yeah. 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 Exa exactly. I mean, yeah. Yep. You want to talk about some Trump shit right there. And like, I mean, that <sighs> yeah. story is. There, uh, there's this new movie that just came out, smaller flick called Honeydew. Oh, I've heard of that. I, just I haven't watched. seen it. Um, uh, slight spoiler, but kind of culty. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. To check Pretty good out. though. Uh, there is a, uh, an actor pops up at the end of the movie that I could have absolutely never expected. And it ah. completely took me right out. <laughs> I love that. Oh, okay. In a bad way. All right. Yeah. In a bad way. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. why are you here? Yeah. 
get out of here. What is going on? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna check that out first. But yeah. would you? I recommend, recommend it for okay. this bonkers fucking ending. I'm okay. curious now too. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. very curious. Yeah, I. Uh, I this has been such a, a cool conversation because I feel like obviously like we've gotten to to pick your brain a little bit, but also like we've learned so much about the city and like things that oh, have man. happened here in Atlanta oh, yeah. and like people that are part of the city and like it so it much gives me a whole shit. new level of respect for oh, Atlanta, yeah. and Georgia in general. Dude, it's I the more I study about the city, the more I love it and i'm also equally horrified by it like there's been some yeah me and my friend uh thomas that i mentioned earlier he's my co-composer on a lot of these movies that i work on i run a like little diy reissue label with him where we specifically it's so fucking cool oh yeah it's it's great i love it i mean it's fun we just you know most of it's like we put out like cassette tapes and yeah. like uh stuff but um but we we've been trying to reissue uh like forgotten like we we reissued um uh, um this synth punk band from uh the early 80s called the modern mannequins and their stuff was like literally about to go in the garbage like the synth bass wow. player had like an unreleased almost like eps worth of stuff that was gonna go in the trash and i'm i'm not saying this like oh i'm cool i just mean like i'm so thankful that my obsession has helped preserve Atlanta yeah. history um that's just uh, so important yeah. just by virtue of being such a big dork about it um and and there's so much shit oh yeah so so i run a record label with my friend called uh deanwell global music the name is a joke it we were literally trying to come up with the name like prestige worldwide oh yes and um we were like what's the like worst most nasty disgusting corporate thing and Thomas is like global music, but then we took our last names Deaton and Barnwell and smashed it together. Perfect. So it's Deanwell Global Music. So we put out like all kinds of shit. Put out a, a like a Marietta black metal band from the '90s. Put out Hell some yeah. early '80s synth punk like from Atlanta. Um, put out uh, this French cold wave band um, called Asylum Party. That's if you're into like early Cure, like 17 seconds yes. era Cure, like holy shit, it will. It's one of the those bands where you put it on their first two records specifically and then immediately like everybody I played the shit for that's into like post punk and and goth stuff is just like how come I've never fucking heard this I can't believe. But anyways, um so so in doing that we've like done an insane amount of research about the city because we're obsessed with it and specifically going through a genre lens even purely musically where we're like how come you know has there ever been you know like I mean, obviously there's been a shitload of genre bands from Atlanta, but like trying to go back really far, like, are there any, you know, like, uh, like early death metal bands from like, mm. the, you know, early eighties or like what, what kind of like, are there any like satanic, like psych rock bands from it? You know, all kinds of questions that we'll ask and, you know, we get weird answers sometimes, but, um, we started writing this record and we never finished it, but we were going to do like a, a black metal record about like the history of Georgia. Um, and each song was was and the band was called Royal Colony because that was uh, originally the first um, legal designation. Obviously, people have been living in this state long before it was a state and they had fucking huge cities and cultures and the Europeans came over and completely decimated it. Again, I don't want to uh, get into it. It's very heavy and I don't want to talk about things I don't have any business talking about it it's horrible Fair. Fair but anyways enough. um but going back through that we each song was like about a different 
horrible thing basically because that's kind of the if you're listening to like excuse or what am i trying to say a lot of uh, black metal records are usually about history or like land mm, or mm-hmm. the history of land or whatever um, when you get right down to the themes and so anyways we're like we should just for our very we didn't even know if we we're going to release it and we might never um but because it's a lot of it's ugly and i don't mean like what we're saying but just like they're fucking the truth yeah horrifying stories that i don't necessarily know it'd be fun to listen to when you're trying to like mm. put on a fast record and do the dishes <laughs> or something like i yeah. didn't really want to know about that but um but uh yeah we uncovered some like really like i mean you know uh again uh, without getting too heavy there's a this this city has a million stories to tell some of them are beautiful some of them are fucking horrible um and uh i don't know just yeah i mean i only care about besides my loved ones i only care about two things at all i care about music and cinema and blending those two worlds together Hit the nail on the head yep. yeah and that's the only I mean, I, I don't know why I don't have any interest in anything else. Like I just have always gravitated towards that stuff. And, and, um, uh, I don't know. I, I can't, you know, I'm not good at math. I have, <laughs> like, I mean, I probably, you know, uh, yeah, it's embarrassing sometimes like, uh, you know, the kind of level of skills that I lack, um, horribly in, in, you you're know, preaching to the choir yeah, honestly um, no, you're you're talking to the right people here yeah and then you know but but i have can, any good skills it's like i can't you know remember my mom's fucking birthday but i remember john carpenter's birthday that's not true <laughs> yeah, actually i don't i don't know what his birthday is <laughs> my mom's is september 15th okay oh, right, yeah. so i'm lying but i um, think my mom's is august 8th yeah but no but that's what i'm saying it's like it's it's it it's uh it's weird and and I mean, obviously I used to get like sad about that where I'm like, why can I not, you know, remember like people I'm close to like important dates, but like I, but you know, a stupid factoid about like Sharky's machine starring Burt Reynolds will just stick in my head and it won't go anywhere. Like why Same. Like why, why can't of I? Us, you're yeah. Dweller. So yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's weird, but, but I think that if you're a caring, like compassionate person and you want to you know not die in a mad max hellhole over the next 30 years like it's important to just remember that like cinema and music are just the lenses that we have chosen to view and take in the world and i think i it seems like from talking to you guys like probably didn't have the greatest upbringing probably got our asses kicked a bunch either emotionally or physically while we were growing up and it's like yeah and it's like that you know horror and like genre work in general both in cinema and music is like our little safe box with which to you know view these scary monsters that have brutalized everybody and and try to fucking make sense of them for christ's sakes and also in a controlled setting like you were talking about with a thing like you know Mm. relax with it because you're like well i know how this ends and i can literally control when this starts or stops so it. it's like yeah you you you've mastered the atrocity of uh of uh god damn it i would that would have been so perfect i, I can't remember the name of the station that they're in <laughs> oh but, shit yeah. outpost yeah. 31 outpost 31 there you go i think there we perfect. go yeah you nerd. it's like it, yeah oh, it's I like something it. like that is relaxing because you know you you've completely digested and understood these this horrible thing that befell all of these men 
Antarctica winter 1982. Um, if I remember that correctly, or 1981, no, 1982. Yeah, you, you understand that story in and out. And and it and it's interesting because like by watching it over and over again, you're able to like not only um, you know, understand each of their motivations, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but also like why some of them make like really bad choices and they're because I mean, th- there's a number of reasons for it. You know what I mean? And I won't go into all of them or really any of them, but right now, cause we're, you know, we should wrap this up, but, but I think that's an important thing that, you know, if people are listening and they're like, you know, think they have people telling them that they're like fucked in the head cause they watch horror all the time or, or just they're drawn to that kind of imagery in art. Like there's nothing wrong with that if you're not hurting anybody and you're not like forcing on people like i used to be an asshole when i was a kid and we all were you know be like come watch this you have to watch this yeah exactly like that you know whatever as you get older you realize that that's not you know you shouldn't make anybody do anything you don't want want to do but but um but uh i i don't know i think uh i think it's important to kind of as you get older like wrap your head around why you're drawn to that kind of stuff and and how it can help you and and i agree with you 100 both of y'all what you were saying about just like it helps heal trauma that all of us have had in the past and and for some people they can do that with other things you mm-hmm. know building birdhouses like <laughs> you know uh starting a popsicle company like i don't know like i'm just making things up but totally. everybody's got their own way and, that, and that's just what how we choose to deal with it but that doesn't make us sick or weird or anything there's nothing wrong with wanting to like in a safe way you know peer into the the monsters of humanity and the cosmos as well into the abyss yes exactly exactly and eventually it does look back at you we all know that (laughs) very true and it goes like hey you got any cheetos in there (laughs) i'm hungry out here man (laughs) the abyss is hungry yes the abyss is hungry so, um, so yeah, is there, are you on social media? Where can people oh, yeah. follow you if you um, want them to follow oh, you? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah, I'm all over the place. So if you just type yeah. in Ian Deaton, like I'm, cool. I put out synth We'll tag stuff. you. Yeah, we'll post yeah. links. We'll post links to all your stuff uh, yeah. with the video. So yeah. definitely. And of course, Videodrome, like go follow yeah. Videodrome. Yeah, yeah. Go follow Videodrome. Yeah. Videodrome, support. you can speak to it better than us because you've been there off and on for years, as yeah. you said because we're just fans we're just patrons yeah i mean Um, yeah go ahead yeah but yeah for what your experience uh you're you're a part of history of one of the last remaining independent video stores yeah and it's and it's i'm not gonna you know like um try to wax poetic about like why it's more important than any other but for me personally, like, as I said earlier, like, I don't care how I, if I want to see something, I just want to get my hands mm-hmm. on it anyway. Um, and, you know, there's a whole New York Times article that Matt and Videodrome were part of that somebody, they can go out and Google and read about streaming versus physical media or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the things that's really important is specifically for anybody who's in Atlanta, or if you're just staying here, or like uh, visiting or whatever, I guess that's the same thing. Um, <laughs> uh, so Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Disney Plus, all of them, I think their entire film library, and I'm talking about all of them, like smushed together. I think their entire film library, just movies, not counting the TV shows, is about 
somewhere between eight to 12,000 movies. Um, Videodrome has 30,000 plus. I was going to say that seems really small. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. it's extremely small. And this whole stupid idea about like, yeah, everything's going to be on the internet. And it's like for people like us, where we're like such dorks that we're like, you know, I have to see this like, you know, crazy <laughs> Robert Forrester Gator yeah. movie and I can't find it anywhere. Yes. Like, you know, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a blessing. And, and I can't tell you I how need many deathbed, times the bed that eats. Yes, exactly. And yeah. so <laughs> it's, it's really, uh, yeah, it's not, it's only five bucks for a rental. Yeah. You get it for seven days. And, and uh, if it's a bootleg, sometimes it's free. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We're very transparent about all that shit. We don't want to rip yeah. anybody off. It's very important to us. I mean, right now, honestly, it's weird. It's changed the nature of um, the store, it's kind of turned into like a community library basically, because most importantly, all of our, we don't get stuff unless customers want it. And, and obviously there's stuff that we, you know, each of the, you know, clerks or whatever get too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we don't get like, we every time we bring something in, we always ask Matt or everybody else like, Hey, do you think this would rent or something? Or, Oh, you know, we're missing this, you know, film from this filmmaker saying, do you think anybody would give a shit? And obviously if the answer is no, most of the time we're like, eh, don't waste your time, <laughs> you know, but, but, um, but uh, I mean, yeah, we, it's, it's important to us to, to most importantly, just be one of the many buckets that um, people that, you know, kind of view the world through cinema, like can come in and, and have a, a very different experience. That's, you know, it's not necessarily better. It's just different than, I mean, mm. I, I do think it's better than, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I watch streaming shit like all the time, um, yeah. but, but it's nice to be able to go into a store and interact with other human beings and talk about stuff. And we have conversations just like this one where I've, I've been at work or sometimes even just gone in there to rent stuff. And I'll wind up talking to you for like three hours. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's, so I don't know, just variables that you can't necessarily get uh, on the computer. Um, yeah, and picking it up, seeing the cover art, oh, it's yeah. such a unique and special experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I still all, all the time go through there. I mean, recently I've been watching like an insane amount of horror movies. I don't know why. I stopped for a while and then have come <laughs> back to it. Um, and and I just crawl through the the horror section that we have, mm -hmm. and there's surprises all the time. Not even where I'm like, is this been here the whole, and they're like yeah that's old that's from that's like a 10 year old dvd and then i'm like i had never seen it damn i'm um, not even seen the box and i restock stuff all the time so anyways blah, blah, blah. um yeah so i guess that's that's pretty much all <laughs> i've said so much i can't believe yeah. it I, we've I covered a lot of ground we, it's we, is, this is i would consider this a, a sprawling conversation yeah i'm sorry if i talked Way no, too much. No, no apologies necessary. Like uh, you can just say pardon. Yeah, pardon. Pardon. <laughs> excuse sorry. you. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Pardon. Yeah, no, no need to excuse yourself. No need for sorries. Uh, genuinely love this. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thank yeah, you we guys. none of us none of us had met in person. Obviously, Colby and I knew each other, but yeah. Or did you? Uh, or did we? <laughs> no one knew each other. They were all invited to a Zoom meeting one night. We just are we writing a movie oh. now? Yeah, I know, right? Like, I mean, I we've been filming this whole time. So. I thought you knew Colby. I thought you. I thought Wait, you knew what? Ian. Who knows? 
And then we're so, Terry uh, too. We didn't even talk about Terry the fourth. Yeah, we don't talk about Terry. fourth guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Third yeah. Um, um, yeah. So with that, again, we would love to have you back at some point. Oh yeah, I absolutely. feel like uh, next time I pop in the shop, hopefully you're in there and we'll say hey. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. And also, I got a lot of really talented friends um, that are way more awesome. knowledgeable about even more crazy shit that still come into video drum all the time. Cool. Um, for sure. Uh, so, and that's one of the nice things too. It's a, it's a really great equalizer. Like I've mm -hmm. been on, I was on a, a Zaxby's chicken commercial with uh, Michael Bay's cinematographer. I had no fucking idea. He's also a cinematographer that did the last few seasons or the reboot of um, uh, Arrested Development. Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. And, uh, yes. I don't remember his name. Super fucking nice guy. But anyways, he's cool. a big fucking deal. And I didn't know that. I don't, I did. I hadn't, I just knew as a cinematographer. And in that particular commercial, I was tasked with, uh, sorry, there's like flies around here. You're all good. Not because it stinks in here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, it's the summer in Atlanta. Yeah, we yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but, um, you know, I was just a PA. It was nothing uh, big, but either, either way, I had to drive uh, people once they were done uh, to the airport um, while they were still shooting and he had finished up his whole job and then the rest of the commercial was going to be all second unit stuff that he was not going to be involved with so he was going to fly back to LA and go like work on a Michael Bay movie or something but anyways um, I didn't know any of that I just knew he was a cinematographer <laughs> and I remember my boss the production manager was like hey he was like don't fucking please don't talk his ear off like I know how you can get sometimes like I know you're a big nerd but like just you know, shut up while you drive into the airport. <laughs> and I was like, no problem, dude. Absolutely. Like, that's fine. So I, you know, got in the car with him. And then like, it was like, we were shooting way out in the burbs, like in like fucking like Dahlonega or something mm. like way up there. Yep. And so it was a long drive to the airport. And I remember like, he just got bored and finally was like, so like, you know, like, what are you into, man? Like, and then of course, I was like, oh, you know, I like cinema and blah, blah. And then it was like, immediately, none of this shit mattered at all. The dumb film hierarchy was completely yep, just gone. fans. We were just huge dorks talking about cinema. And he was getting just as excited as I was. And he's way older than me. Or that's not true. He might not be that. Sorry. I hope he doesn't. I don't think he's going to hear this, but no, 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 no. Either way, Doubtful. But, uh, but yeah. Um, but either way, like he, then he started showing me like pictures of, you know, like, being the um uh what you will call it the clapper but technically it's actually i believe that's the second ac if i remember mm -hmm. correctly um the person who does this uh, the mm -hmm. clapper thing it was a picture of him doing that in front of uh john travolta's face on greece as a camera Whoa. pa um yeah and he was like yeah look at this and he was like talking about all this crazy stuff and it was so nice because eventually he started to open up and i was like why are you working on a zaxby's chicken commercial like other than the obvious you need to pay your rent yeah and he was like well and he's like, I'll be honest with you, man. And he was like, you know, I, I wanted to make something beautiful. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, I just, he was like, I won't go into it, but some of the stuff I've been working on lately, it's so quick. And like, we have to just like, you know, bounce the light off the ceiling. And like, I don't get any time to play. I don't get any time to put gels on anything or like, you know, add lighting to enhance the characters. I can't, do anything creative i just am tasked with this boring flat hollywood lighting and he wasn't talking about michael bay he had been doing a bunch of commercial work so mm -hmm. he was just like you know trying to pay his gotta pay that la mortgage you know what i'm saying oh yeah like um <laughs> and so uh he he was but he was like 
kind of like going through this weird thing where he felt it, I, what I was reading from him, just like artistic sadness, basically like I have to do something beautiful and they're letting me do whatever I want on this sex piece chicken commercial. I'm going to go fucking hog wild. Damn. So it was, <laughs> it was neat to like, and you know, I don't think if we had established a baseline of like two cinema dorks, we would have been able to, he would have been vulnerable enough to like talk about that. Yeah. It was like a really meaningful conversation. Cause I still fucking remember it to this day. I don't remember a guy's name, but like, uh, it was so nice. And it was just neat that it was like none of this shit. Cause it on film sets, it gets just like any job. It doesn't fucking matter. Oh, yeah. They all get hierarchical and it's such bullshit. And it's one of the things that's always driven me crazy about even working in creative fields where you're just like, come on, dude, like, you know we're human beings here like stop yeah. treating me like that i won't treat you like that and um i don't know it's just neat that that with cinema specifically like you know we can have people like barry jenkins or like you know bill paxton fucking come in the store oh, and like yeah god rest his soul um yeah. uh like there's been a bunch of super famous people I have not been in while any of them have come in <laughs> naturally but, um, but uh but yeah like all kinds of like like literally people that we have sections for like Adam McGowan came in when he was oh. working on a Reese Witherspoon movie in town a few years ago and we have that Adam McGowan section and he was like oh my god like like that I can't remember I think Tommy or Matt was working he was like so touched he was That's like awesome. oh my god like you guys like what the fuck like I think that was his movie. West Memphis 3 movie yes that's what it was yeah 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 and so yeah but he was like he was like i don't know i from what whoever whatever clerk told me that story was that's just like oh wild. man like he seemed like not in a great mood and then he left in like a fucking fabulous mood and that might have literally changed the next day's work when he went to yeah. go shoot he might have been in a great mood and reese witherspoon was like what i don't know what it is about today but he's just in a great mood so you know anyway i'll leave you i'll leave you cinema, with a fun anecdote yeah. Uh, yes. since we've been talking so much about Carpenter and the thing. Uh, my Colby and I did go to film school. And oh, nice. uh, right after college, I ended up getting a gig in New York, uh, lived there for a few months, ultimately decided to come back, ended up working in post-production uh, with Deluxe. And wow. uh, via Deluxe, we mostly did ads uh, but we did do a lot of dailies and stuff. So I did get to meet a few people, but yeah. the only person I really care about name dropping who I got to meet and chill with in the office quite a bit is Keith David. Oh, that's oh my God. I and was he's always singing. Oh, that's so always amazing. singing. Beautiful, deep singing voice. I, I was one day off. I day played on that movie lottery ticket. And I remember um, it was fun as hell. I mean, it was only one day that I was on there. Um, and uh, Lee Blazin game, uh, the focus puller for um, uh, Dances with Wolves and like a ton of other oh. amazing movies. Uh, or maybe he's a second AC. I feel like an asshole. I don't remember, but he's been on a ton of amazing shit. I'm pretty sure he's a focus puller, but he might, again, I don't think he's going to hear us. But, but anyways, I was really excited to be working with him. Um, but then I was like looking at the call sheet, uh, which for anybody who doesn't know, it's like basically just like the sheet that you get every morning or at night that mm -hmm. tells you what you're going to be shooting and all the people that where to be, right. where to be yeah. exactly all kinds of important information for the work day. Um, and I remember looking and it was like Keith David and I was like, ah, like I freaked yeah. out. I couldn't believe it. I was like, dude, I get to fucking wear Keith David. And then 
I didn't look at the call sheet well enough and it said uh, TBA or TBH or something like that. Uh, and I was like, oh man, like he's on call basically. And right. it was only going to come in if they had like, we had really had a good day and they were going to do like some pickups with him or something, but he didn't, he didn't show up. Um, and I was so bummed out and I had to go to work on another show after that. And my friends were like, I'll tell Keith David I for you. And I'm like, no, you're not, you fucker. No, like, yeah. <laughs> so mean. It became a yeah. joke around the office. Uh, because everybody knew how excited I was for uh, him to come in. They're like fucking with you about it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the day that he was supposed to come in, uh, I had to sit at the receptionist desk because uh, they were sh- uh, short or something that day. So yeah. I was sitting up front and we get a phone call and I, I answer it. Hello, this is Deluxe. How can I help you? And uh, the person starts talking and I was like, this motherfucker sounds like Keith David. <laughs> like, yeah, he's got a wow. This yeah, person sounds like Keith David. Yeah, it was yeah, because yeah. <laughs> uh, they call. They start talking, saying that they're lost. They have an appointment. And I was like, oh, could I get a name so I can contact who you're supposed to meet? And he goes, this is Keith David. And I'm just <laughs> oh, like, yes. oh, yeah, <laughs> like just uh, melt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I did not. When he came in, I told him where to go. All of that. Yeah. It took probably about a month of him coming in because he came in about once or twice a week. Yeah, you don't want to working on some voiceover nerd out all over him. Like it's not good. Finally, one of the audio <laughs> engineers who was recording him was like, "Do you want to assist me on this session?" Oh, <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, like, please, yes, please." <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so I got to sit in there while he was recording, and it was fucking oh. awesome. That's amazing. That I and he was you, a very, very kind man. Oh, that's so I will tell you, I will I will be really obnoxious and I will name drop one uh person, one experience that I had. Um, and only because of what you just said. And I want anybody who's listening and, and you guys to know, um, I got lucky enough to since very similar situation where I had no idea going into it. Um, I worked on this that falcons rise up campaign like many many mm. years ago mm-hmm. oh yeah um and sam jackson is the talent mm. and uh i won't go in there's a bunch of stories i have from that day but i will say next time you're on yeah not next only time. not only is he an amazing co-worker i mean again i was like just a fucking pa i wasn't no but not only is an amazing co-worker to work with because he sh- literally shortens your day because of how good he is. That's something oh, that yeah. any of our viewers that haven't worked on a film set, if somebody's good at what they do, they can literally change fast. your your day from like a fucking fifteen hour day to like a normal eight hour day where you can go home and like talk to people and live <laughs> and be normal. Um, and so it was phenomenal to watch him act because he just nailed everything in pretty much one take and like knew way more about filmmaking obviously than the fucking stupid uh agency that was orchestrating mm. the entire thing right. and they would say dumb shit like hey can you um pan up with the camera and he'd be like ah tilt you're supposed to tilt up ah. haha do i need to take it back to film school he would say <laughs> stupid shit like that and it was funny because he's like making fun of our boss that could fire us in two seconds for even yeah. looking <laughs> at them weird but he's like fucking with them because they don't know what they're doing basically it was great but that's not true i mean they, there was there was some extremely talented people but the people that were the clients were assholes. Um, yeah, oh, they're, they always are. Yeah, they always are. Total talentless, clueless idiots that yep. just throw and money they think at they know constantly. everything. Yeah, and they, they try to. Anyways, but um, I will say the whole reason I'm bringing this up um, is uh, he was so 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 insanely nice, such a good coworker. Mm. So if anybody is like 
man, I wonder if he's a dick in real life. No, he's not. He's a very, very beautiful, nice man. And also um, when he came on the set, um, uh, he had not showed up yet because he gets to show up the last, you know, as long as he's in uh, ready for camera or whatever. And then he came mm. on set way early before his call time um, and uh, was in um, cargo shorts and a, a, a Hawaiian shirt and a fishing hat. And he literally <laughs> can't because we were shooting on the one of the I don't know some fucking football field. I, I honestly am not a sports fan. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. It's they okay. were in the football field in Atlanta. I don't know sure. if it was the new one. The, or one. the old one. Yes, it was the one. And so, anyways, most of the whole place was dark except for like the lights that we had down on the field. Um, so you couldn't see a lot of the, even though it was during the daytime. Like they're not going to fucking turn on the house lights for mm. a small film crew shooting a promo in the. Um, but uh, you know, we were all like, you know, doing our thing, like trying to get um, extra shots without him, basically. And then uh, we just heard uh, um, uh, this voice go, what's up, motherfucker? <laughs> it's like coming out of the, the like hall or not the hallway. Yeah, just like echoing. The, yeah. Yeah. Like he just came out onto the field and like held his arms out and he's like, you guys ready to work? And everybody was like, yay. Like, Hell oh yeah. my God. So anyways, that's what a it. start that's awesome. to a work day. Beautiful. I know it was incredible. Like, and, and I was like, holy shit. Like he's here super early. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Like he was like, I don't want to waste any time. Like I'm ready to work. So Hell yeah. Really I, cool. feel, I feel like ending on a Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> yeah. It's a perfect. It yes. feels right. Yeah. It feels right. Yeah. For this, right? Yeah. That sounds good. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, again, we've already thanked you enough, but actually, we haven't thanked thank you enough. We haven't thanked you enough. Thank you again. Thank you enough oh no, for, man! I feel honestly, I feel like I've just been talking so much. But either way, that's my own uh, person uh, uh, insecurity cross to bear, and I'll Listen, let that go. You are um, again preaching the choir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. We love insecurity here. We talked yeah. so much that we started a whole fucking podcast. There actually. you go. Well, there you go. I guess that's if you're going to talk a lot. Might as well talk on a podcast. So might as well record it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we will definitely be posting all of your your stuff when we post the episode. So oh yeah, everybody will will should should go follow you. Keep up with all the yeah. cool shit you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know I I direct music videos a little bit here and there. I you know yeah I compose for low budget movies and, and yeah. then I'll act if you want me to. I don't really like doing it. I know how to do it, but. It's, I'll do it if if it's my friend, but um, but um, good friend, and then yeah. yeah, a good friend, and then I I make yeah like synth music on my own, and I played in a bunch of bad punk bands and grindcore bands, and I want to be e- I, I'll email you after this. Okay. I'm very curious about exchanging some music stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah yeah yeah, and I uh yeah I could talk for yeah yeah I, we'll I stay know. in touch yeah. yeah we'll stay in touch this yeah. this is this is a a, a great contacting network yeah thing absolutely that we're doing right now. Yeah. and i'm really excited by it and yeah. obviously we'll, we'll we'll stay in touch and I yeah think, i think we've become virtual friends and yes, hopefully yeah, real life friends no, we're enough. already friends we had we yeah, had a wonderful we had a two we had like a three-hour hour conversation yeah. about like uh childhood trauma through the lens of cinema i think we're yeah. all friends now <laughs> started out as told you guys hey, let's talk about shit. these fulci movies yeah and turns out the Fulci Beautiful. movies were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> That's it. That's the end. That's perfect. We can't, we can't top that. 